Disclaimer and content warning. This podcast contains strong depictions of violence and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. The Focus Fights Audio Podcast is the expressed opinion of J. Christian Gary and any guest that he has on the podcast. The words of J. Christian Gary are of his and his alone, and any views expressed by any of his guests or of himself do not necessarily reflect the views of Focus Fights or any of the promotions that any of his guests may be a part of, in whole or in part, in the present or in the future. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or thoughts about what J. Christian Gary or any of his guests said on the Focus Fights Audio Podcast, feel free to email us at focusfights at gmail.com. Also, in regards to the interviewees that J. Christian Gary interviews, these are real trained professional wrestlers and professional fighters who advise you not to perform any of the stunts or any of the moves that you see on TV at home or wherever you live because you may seriously hurt, injure, maim, and or kill someone. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Before this podcast begins, I just want to say my very brief thoughts about Scott Hall. While I may have never seen him compete at his peak when he was a four-time WWF Intercontinental Champion, a seven-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, the co-innovator of the ladder match, along with a certain heartbreak kid, and a legendary bad guy. I do remember him as someone who was an humble guy who had a ton of problems in his life that many people, including his family, which includes his often misunderstood son Cody, and very close friends like Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and especially Diamond Dallas Page, cared for. His career may have been overshadowed by personal demons and bad habits, but when he was well and when he was focused, he wasn't just the bad guy. He was the guy. Even though he never won a major singles championship in any of the promotions that he was a part of, But we the fans don't want to ever remember Scott Hall for his downfall or what caused it. We want to remember him for how he built up careers and how he changed people's lives. Like for instance, if it wasn't for him and that heartbreak kid with two ladder matches in 1994, the ladder match wouldn't have a lasting legacy in the world of pro wrestling. Without Scott Hall, would we have ever seen the likes of Sean Waltman as the kid or Six Pack or however you want to call him? Or would we have even seen Hiroshi Tanahashi because of Scott Hall? Hell, would there have ever been a clique or a new world order? No one truly knows the answer to that. But I do believe that had it not been for Scott Hall, no one would have ever have known anything about having machismo. Not said. So in closing, many condolences to Scott's friends, family, and many, many, many fans who have gotten the chance to enjoy him, help him out, and be humbled around his presence. And in this podcast, I have a little story of my own of how I interacted with Scott Hall at an event some Ten years ago, I guess, but still, though. The survey says Scott put one up on the board for the bad guys. And that is something you can't lose your mind over, Chico. Rest in peace. In lieu of a 10-bell salute, bring him in, Smoke Dizzer. Ah. Uh. Right, 
I'm oozing with my cheese smoke Kush God, bitch, back on beast mode El Matador the bull like Tito Julia is my e-hoes Anytime I hop on a joint, it's a cheat code They hear me like he's cold Major League though, bring more bread in Make a sharp and alcohol park Then raises edge em. Most my innards is two-time felons Most your innards is queer as Ellen Known for telling, I ain't buying what they selling Never that, you'll always be a failure Again, Remember that, you're a walking Vic My whole clique's legit All my hood is on, top of the game like we rigged the shit Every day, not annual I tell these niggas either Handle the business or the business gon' handle you Ah, uh, too slick to leave a trace Murder scenes got clean getaway Weirdos always seem out of places Soon as they flip the toothpick in they face Ah, uh, I'm on that sour diesel Well, again, we could never be equal After me, it'll be no sequel Nah I'm losing with my cheese mouth. Focus Fights Audio Special, not because I say it every damn time when I do a show like this, but special only because with the most stupendous two-night spectacle in all of wrestling, pow! Having already happened over a week ago and all the festivities that surrounded it, I thought I might take a little bit of extra credit myself and supersize this bad boy a bit. Therefore, this might be the biggest show I'll ever work on before or since. And that includes my days at Fever Keys with Real, and it includes my days on the... We are... Podcast. Still though, I got four guests lined up. Who might they be? Well, for starters, we got Deathmatch star Billy Dixon. And this gruesomely flamboyant beast... Squared off with Hood Foot in the first ever for the culture death match back on April Fool's Day, Thursday, April 1st, which marked the daytime debut for For the Culture, which is usually a late night black professional wrestling showcase. At least that's what the last two For the Culture events used to be. Now, pretty much everybody's gonna be hung up on it. Then, 
I spoke with Texas All-Star Wrestling alum Lowrider as we chatted about everything from how I first seen him compete on a small-scale, late-night Spanish television program to being a star on the rise in the independent scene. I know, there may be a surprise in that one as well. Let's just say if Lowrider's bringing the smoke, someone very close to him is starting to fire, daddy. And finally, I spoke with the head honcho behind Iconic Heroes of Wrestling Excellence and the aptly named Insane Hardcore Wrestling, David Fuller, as his Fort Worth-based promotion started back up after a bit of a hiatus, five years as a matter of fact, just to kickstart Fuller's 24th and possibly 25th years of professional wrestling promotion. And as for the fourth guest, well, let's just say he's a young lion on the rise waiting to roar. And that, my friends, is what we call a hint. But without further ado, let's kick things off with my interview with Billy Dixon on this very stacked post-WrestleMania week edition of Focus Fights Audio. Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, what is good, y'all? It's the Chillmeister Chris Gary, and on this very special, special interview for Focus Fights Audio, I would like to basically introduce somebody who is about to be on the rise in the world of deathmatch wrestling, and especially in the world of black deathmatch wrestling. This man will be taking on Hoodfoot. In the first ever For the Culture Deathmatch, which is supposed to be the main event of the aforementioned For the Culture card on April Fool's Day in Dallas, Texas, Fair Park, for the collective for GCW. That event will take place at 3 Eastern, 2 Central, available on Fight TV. This man is the Billy Dixon. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right, sir. I just hope that you're adequately prepared to rock, as the old PWG people used to say, just to get ready for this death match. Yeah, we we gonna go to war. I see, I see. So, you know, when it comes down to, I mean, when it comes down to death match wrestling, I just wanna ask right off the bat. This is going to be a show for the culture, and obviously you got black wrestling fans, you know, chomping at the bit, thinking about what this match is going to be like. Is there any, you know, is there anything that y'all want to be, is there anything that you basically want to ask or want to say that many people can hope to be interested off of the match that you and Hoodfoot will provide on April 1st? The the all first ever all black deathmatch main event. That's kind of enough said. We've been having issues for over a year, so pull up. Hmm. I see. I see. And when it came down to you know me mentioning that this is your GCW debut, I mean I don't know if you probably wrestled for them before, but I, I have. My apologies, sir. My apologies. I don't really... I mean, I'm not really the best at doing this. I just try to do what I can. (laughs) 
But still, though, when it comes down to your background as well, I mean, obviously, you also, I mean, what am I trying to say? You're also the first ever out professional wrestler to, you know, be recognized as a deathmatch wrestler. I mean, do you think that... Oh, that's also not, that's also, I am not the first. I can't hold claim to that. There's a guy way back in the day named Angel, way before my time, that was doing his thing in deathmatch out on the West Coast. But I can't claim that. My apol again, my apologies. But still, though, when it comes down to you wrestling, especially deathmatch wrestling as a black gay man, when it comes down to that, what comes to your mind trying to break norms and stuff like that? Uh, it's, it's just all about showing up and showing out. That's it. You know, I'm not, you know, trying to make some big political statement, but I have something to offer to that world and I want to do it. And I, I have proven that I have the toughness and the, the skill and the durability to do so. So <laughs> that's really where my mindset is. I see, I see. And I gotta ask, when it comes down to, you know, the world of professional wrestling these days, especially when it comes down to wrestlers of color, or as I just mentioned earlier, wrestlers who are on the LGBTQ, I guess, spectrum, when it comes down to that, do you think that there needs to be more representation on these major wrestling shows just to get, you know, not just wrestlers of color, but wrestlers of the LGBTQ community into the main event? Um, they need to, I, I don't think there needs to be more representation. I think they need to work with what they already have. I mean... There are people that are under contract to major organizations that get no TV time, no real opportunities to connect with the audiences. So uh, I think that before we talk about more and more and more, they need to show that they can do good with, with the, the talents that they do have. You know, there have been strong fights like Kyla Rose, you know, created a moment and made history with her championship win. But, you know, we can do so much more. We can, we can do so much more for LGBT people. We can do so much more for black people um, within the world of wrestling. So before we want more people in the mix, I just want people that are already there to get opportunities. So that's where I'm at. And, I mean, you mentioned Nyla Rose. You obviously have to mention Sunny Kiss as well, right? Yeah, I mean, but they don't put Sunny on TV, so I can't really say that she's done anything there, unfortunately. I mean, that's understandable, especially considering the fact that, I mean, maybe it's just a TV thing. They probably don't see, they, in that one promotion, probably don't see Sonny as television ready because, no, not just television ready. They see Sonny Kiss as a problem on television, even though there's so many, you know, people who are like Nyla Rose or people 
who are different in that way, you know, being on television almost every week. I mean, that's kind um, of weird to me. I mean, um, I think I think that I think that it's 2022. That's all I really have to say about that. Understood. Wrestling's always behind the times. We gotta move to the to the to the here and now. There's a lot of different kind of people in the world. They deserve to be seen. Understood. Understood. Now, when it comes down to wrestling on this big show like For the Culture, you're gonna be seeing. I mean, not only will this be the first For the Culture show, you know, put on in the state of Texas, more specifically in the DFW Metroplex, where the Juneteenth concept was first thought about in the late 1800s. But also, you know, this will be the first for the culture show to take place during the damn daytime. So when it comes down to that particular type of spotlight, I mean, I wouldn't say the bright lights are going to be on you, but the sun is going to be beating down on you. But do y'all think that with this particular death match, that it's going to get some eyes raised? I mean, hopefully in a good way. I mean, that's the whole point. You know, you want to... We have an opportunity to do something really cool. So everybody who's on the show is focused towards making that happen. Of course, of course. And I mean, to be quite honest, you're going to be sharing the stage with a lot of... I mean, you're going to be sharing the stage... With a lot of big names, especially those that just got off of being on TV like six months ago. I mean, I can only hope that'll be something worthwhile to put on your career record, your career dossier, so to speak. But, you know, let's just say if this match doesn't come out the way that you hope it'll come out, do you think that, you know, people will still... You know, do you think that people will still be wanting to watch Deathmatch Wrestling? Do you think that Deathmatch Wrestling is what people want to watch on TV these days? Are you asking me if Deathmatch can go mainstream? Is that what you're asking? I mean, yeah, even though Nick Gage, and you probably know Nick Gage more than I do, he wrestled on a diet. He wrestled on an AEW Dynamite episode against Chris Jericho not too long ago. And he tried to make Deathmatch Wrestling mainstream, but some old heads basically tried to fuck that up. (laughs) But yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Deathmatch should go mainstream. It's a very niche thing. There's a a special connection that the audience has with it. I think parts of it could and parts of it couldn't, but uh, Deathmatch is really best seen in an intimate setting where people can really see what's happening in the ring. Um, and I just don't think television with sponsorships and uh, rigid uh, rules for uh, television and all of that with FCC, and I don't think it would be really possible, but, you know, I mean, 
mean, it was cool that Nick Gage got his moment, for sure. True, true, very true. And when it comes down to your opponent, Hoodfoot, I know you basically said, oh, we got beef for about a year. But when it comes down to Hoodfoot, what's the one thing that comes to mind other than the fact that you just simply hate him? That people can understand. That that's, a, that's a terrible perception. Understood. Do not hate him. I see the best in him. I, I motivated him. I pulled up to his hometown in the middle of a show, and I talked the truth to him, and I told him that he was sleeping on himself, and he's not doing his best. Hmm. After that moment, he was on a tear. He's been all over. He's been killing it. So, you know, I, I take responsibility for his rise wrestling. I motivated him. I sunned him. So, you know... This isn't hatred, you know? I think that he could be one of the best that ever did it. But he's got distractions. He gets easily distracted. He loses focus. I'm here to remind him to stay focused and be his best self. There's no hatred there. I never once said I hated him. But I'm going to be on his ass because I want to see his brother win. It just happens to be perceived that I'm being aggressive or I'm being antagonistic. Hmm. I see, I see. I mean, a lot of people probably need that type of guidance these days, especially if you coming straight to their hometown, which for Hoodfoot's case is Indianapolis, and your case is the Boogie Down Bronx, and, you know, get that guidance straight up. Am I right? All right. Hmm. And, you know, when it comes down to you know and I I know you basically said before the start of this that you didn't want to talk about how you were brought up how your career was brought up but who would you basically say have instilled guidance into your career to make you the Billy Dixon that you are today I mean, if this is a loaded question, take your time. Oh, uh, no. I have, a, I have a network of people. I have a network of people that support me and that want to see me do good and that help me in my career. I mean, um, Pretty Voice Move, Darius Lockhart, Chuck D, um, Gil O'Neill, uh, Erica Lee. Jared Evans, um, Sonny Kiss, uh, Faith Jackson. I have a very uh, beautiful support system of my peers, you know, and some of my OGs in there. Um, it, so I can't, you know, I, 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 I'm blessed in that regard, for sure. Hmm. And you talk about people like Darius Lockhart, who's going to be on this For the Culture show yourself. I mean, who's going to be on this For the Culture show alongside you facing off against A.J. Gray. You talk about P.B. Smooth, who might be on this card, but you talk about Faye Jackson, and Faye Jackson's career, as we all know, ended a bit prematurely because of injuries and stuff like that. 
But when it comes down to Faye herself, do you think that, you know, eventually she might make a comeback? Or do you think that she might help instill the next generation? I think that's up to Faye. And whatever she does, I support her. Hmm. Understood. Understood. I mean, but when it comes down to that, I mean, I know you say you want to see more LGBTQ representation. I mean, obviously, I'm hoping when it comes down to Faye Jackson, even though she's injured and can no longer compete, I mean, I just hope that more people like her can get that opportunity to shine. Like who? I mean, I would say Ruthless Lala, but, I mean, she needs to straighten up her attitude first, more specifically with the people around her. But I would say that a lot of people, a lot of big girls, need a lot of big girls and a lot of big boys even need to get that opportunity, you know. I mean, yeah, for sure. Different bodies, different sexualities, gender expression. Based on all that, totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the same would probably go for somebody like AJ Francis, who's also going to be on this card, but people gave him a bad rap when he was in that big fed in Stanford because his attitude was, you know, not up to par with backstage standards, so to speak. Yeah, I'm not going to speak about what I don't know, but I think he's pretty cool. I really like his... Uh, his um his whole swag, his whole demeanor. I think he's a cool dude. So I'm excited to meet him and to get to see him work in person, you know. For people that have not been, you know, wrestling because they, you know, were under a non compete, it's a cool opportunity to see them do their thing without any type of restrictions restrictions, without any type of creative over them, you know, not just being the artist, using the camps, all that kind of stuff. Really cool stuff. Um, and that's going to be cool, so. Understood, understood. And I mean, another, I mean, obviously he and Tahuti Miles are going to be facing off against Shane Taylor and O'Shea Jackson. And when it comes down to Shane Taylor, I really hope to see big things out of him too, pun intended. I mean, the dude's a pretty big man. But I really hope to see more opportunities from him, especially considering what he did with Ring of Honor, despite not getting a world title opportunity. But when it comes down to this particular show, obviously, as I mentioned when we, I mean, as I mentioned when you joined into this Zoom chat, it's going to be coming off of the wings of the passing of one Scott Hall and you know real quick before we get off of here I mean I just want to ask when it comes to Scott Hall and his career I know you probably I mean I'm sorry if I'm basically saying you didn't watch much of old school wrestling growing up if you have I apologize but what would you say that Scott Hall, watching him wrestle on TV, or watching him wrestle in matches on YouTube, helped you in the long run? Uh, he's a really good wrestler. 
wrestler. I watch a lot of his stuff. Um, just to keep your cool, take your time, make the moments matter. You know, a lot of a lot of the real fundamentals of wrestling he was very exceptional at. And he had a beautiful punch. Um and the 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 thing I will the thing I will remember the most about him will be the fact that he really started the conversation on making sure wrestlers were paid fair wages and were getting the most bang for their buck. So, you know, all blessings to us at Hall in Heaven. Uh, I appreciate his contribution to the business. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Now, when it comes down to this card, and I know this is like beating a dead horse, but for the casual fan coming into this thinking, you know, oh, this is just a bunch of, I mean, this is just a bunch of, I mean, I don't think I can deal with watching black professional wrestling, but when it comes to casual fans, what do what type of perception do you hope will change? You know, the casual wrestling fan from enjoying something like this, this celebration of black wrestling excellence that's gonna happen on April first. Um, I mean, I'm not really trying to beg anybody to be a fan of mine or be a fan of black wrestling in general. I just think this is just the best, the, the best of the best in many different categories, a variety of different uh, kinds of talent, putting on a great show. You know, yeah, we're all black, and it's a beautiful thing, but we're all wrestlers, and we're all talented wrestlers, and we're all just doing our thing. So I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is that we're wrestlers, and that, you know, we don't have to go into the title archetypes. We can, we can be anything. So, um, yeah, that's what I hope people take away from that, you know, black wrestlers are stars and can be anything that they want to be. Understood. Understood. And when it comes down to this particular show, again, as I mentioned, y'all can check out For the Culture, April 1st, live from Fair Park in Dallas, Texas. And if you don't know where Fair Park is, think of the Cotton Bowl for a second. <laughs> Think of SMU for a second. That's where that is. But still, that event will be taking place April Fool's Day, 3 Eastern, 2 Central, live on Fight TV as part of the Collective. As part of GCW's yearly tradition known as the Collective. And before I get off with you, I just want to ask, how can people contact you? Shamelessly put yourself over. Uh, you can contact me at bookblazedixon at gmail.com for any booking inquiries, or you can contact me on my social medias. All of them are at bbillydixon. And that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? All right. I see, I see. But other than that, Billy, it's been fun talking with you. You know, I hope that you... I mean, I wish you nothing but peace and goodwill, as the old saying goes, and I hope that you and Hoodfoot, considering the fact that y'all are going to be in the main event of this show, hopefully y'all get ready to tear not the damn house down, not the damn roof off the place, because I think it's going to be an outdoor show, 
But I hope y'all make people's minds change about Black Deathmatch Wrestling. Absolutely, that's the goal. Other than that, good luck to you, and I hope to see you can... I mean, I hope to see you and Hoodfoot kick ass. <laughs> All right, thank you, pal. Have a good one. You too. Again, Billy Dixon faced off against Hoodfoot in the first ever For the Culture Death Match as part of the Collective Live from Fair Park in Dallas, Texas. And if you know where Fair Park is, chances are you've been to the Cotton Bowl a few too many times for more than just a New Year's Day football game or concert or a special event, if you will. I'm not going to post any spoilers in the description. I'm not going to say any spoilers here on the podcast. But if you want to check out For the Culture, which had that Hood Foot versus Billy Dixon death match on that event, as well as tons of other great action, pay the 14 bucks directly to check it out. Or the $140 for this year's Game Changer Wrestling Collective 2022 bundle and fight like you mean it. Get it on Fight.tv and the Fight TV app. It's available on your iOS, your Android, your smartphone, your smart tablet, your smart TV, your smart anything. As long as you can get that event, trust me. You will not be left unsatisfied and you will enjoy all the exciting action that Game Changer Wrestling and the promotions of the collective had to offer for that weekend and will be having to offer in the days, weeks, and months to come. But before I continue on, though, I do want to bring this up because we did mention it in the Billy Dixon interview. And I want to advocate and I really want to give my thoughts about Ruthless Lala because we did mention her. But I don't want to cut too deep into this. We wanted to talk with her, and by we meaning I, about a few months back about her wanting to get back into professional wrestling after close to three years away from the ring because of injury, life-threatening, possibly, unfortunately, illness, as she was in the hospital for months and almost was on her deathbed, and obviously, the COVID pandemic. And while I do apologize for how I acted around her, and I hope she gets the opportunity to wrestle more often as she did recently compete in a grueling match in the Northeast for Bree Combination Wrestling's Queen of the North 3 event against Vanity, which is a match you can watch right now on the Title Match Wrestling YouTube channel. The link to that will be in the description of this podcast. I will say this, and I apologize to anybody or to Lala, who I'm not going to give out her real name in advance. But she needs to hear this. And if you're fans of her, you need to hear it too. So here goes. Lala, you're a great competitor. You a fucking boss. You are supposed to be a name in this business. But you're three years shy at 40. You haven't done a damn thing in two years to improve your in-ring skills. Obviously, pandemic notwithstanding, staying in the hospital notwithstanding, other than soaking about the business, streaming games on Twitch, throwing Twitter Spaces France and Epic Twitter Spaces chats, which cast just about everybody in the damn business, to the point where nobody could have a turn to talk, 
and basically wait until the corpse of CZW and WSU have you on another show that's gonna wind up on some piss poor named compilation snub reel. But the point I'm trying to get across to your head is that I could have been talking to you instead of Billy Dixon. No disrespect to Billy Dixon, but I could have been talking to you for this damn show because we, as black wrestlers, black wrestling fans, black personalities, black wrestling competitors, and this includes the two of us, we have to stick together to show up for one another, to show why black wrestlers matter, to prove that we are for the culture and it's not just a goddamn catchphrase. But if all you want to do, Lala, is block people like me because you feel that they are some nosy-ass so-and-sos and I don't need to give you the actual description of what I mean by so-and-sos, you already know it, I already know it, I don't need to tell it to you, but still though, if you want to be that much of an asshole to me to block me while I'm trying to give you the shine, give you a push, give you an opportunity to put yourself over, then I don't want to deal with toxic individuals like you. Because you know different than those types of people you want to differ yourself from. But you know what, Lala? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're surviving, you're thriving, and you're doing everything in your God-given will just to continue to wrestle like you did out in the Northeast about a month ago. But if you continue to treat me and treat fans like me like shit and clock me while we're trying to put you over, then don't expect me to show you any love because you damn sure ain't showing me the same. That's on the real. And with that being said, Let's move right along to the next interviewee, and that would be TASW alum, Lowrider. And in this interview, we've done very, very close to the edge of Mania Week. Like, like this happened a week before all the big events happened that we did this interview for. But this 16-year veteran who's about the same age as me talked about how he got started in the business and how young he was when he started getting into the ring and how I first seen him compete on a late-night Spanish-language professional wrestling television show in my neck of the woods, Houston, Texas. Don't disrespect it. <laughs> what he plans to do in his future, especially with a certain five promotion known as Loco Wrestling Daddy. And a special cameo appearance by someone that's very, very close to him. And as we say, keep it locked because as some wiser demandos once said, No te la puedes perder. Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? We're back with another Focus Fights audio interview. And as you can hear from the whistling in the background, <laughs> I mean. It's like I'm talking to R2-D2 or something, but instead, it's basically a TASW legend, a local Texas Lucha Libre legend, somebody who I have been a fan of for the last seven years, who I've seen on television before, or have y'all have seen him on AEW Dark, but still, this man is one of the most violent professional wrestlers in the state of Texas, and he needs no further introduction so fuck it. I'ma just let him speak for himself. Please welcome Lowrider. How you doing, sir? Very good, sir. I'm I'm right here, sitting down, enjoying my life, 
Then I walk away because I see a couple right in front of me, but I don't want to see them no more because I need to like stay on my own, you know? And yeah, man, um, I'm 29 years old, going to turn 30 in September 17. My name is Pedro Ortega, born in Houston, Texas in 92, mm. was raised by a time in... 2006 to 2009 in Tulancingo Hidalgo, over there by Mexico City, where my dad is from, where Super Crazy was born, in, and him, he trained me, Crazy Boy, he's born in Tulancingo, and he trained me, um, Julio Islas, may he rest in peace, is my teacher, which I think everything what he did for me, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been where I'm at right now. And yes, sir, I appreciate my homie dog that gave his time and appreciation, his love to Lowrider that he has, he told me before he saw me on TV and Telemundo or Estrella TV, that made me pop. So nah, nothing but love and no hate is his Lowrider, the King of 420, and the reason I call myself the King of 420, because I have been in Pakistan, Mexico, Japan, Puerto Rico, El Salvador, and USA, and every country it has been 420. <laughs> I see, I see. And I understand that you're going to be turning 30 in September. I, myself, am about a couple months younger than you, and I'm going to be turning 30 by the end of the year, but hey, you know, it's uh, great that what, you based... December what? <laughs> no, I'm 29, dude. No shit, damn. I mean... I was born on the 5th of November, 1992. I mean... Well, it, almost, almost. I just... Almost caught your, your, your birth uh, month, you know what I'm saying? I mean, to be honest, my... I mean, people should know that I'm a fall baby, even though I don't like going out in the fucking cold weather. But still, though, I'm just... I mean, we should all just be happy to be living life, especially... After the whole pandemic caused a stir over the last two years, we should and definitely be And not just that, happy. dude. Not just that. You know what's going on in Europe and all that shit, man. It's, it's just painful to watch, dude. But we enjoy and we live life every day, dog. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Speaking of living life, obviously when it comes down to loco wrestling, you are living... Plenty good right now, especially considering the fact that the promotion is currently doing shows with GCW. They're about to, as of this recording, they're going to be doing a show in Colorado coming up this weekend. Are you nervous about that? Sir, I'm more than excited that they finally um, looked at us as a serious company that we're willing to work and provide more for our guys. And just get out there and show them what is really local wrestling about. And it's just amazing to me that for the past five years, my wife Sadika was not was living in Houston, and she was not getting out there that much. But now that she was built up at local wrestling, she'll be wrestling at GCW, ICW. Um, and she got some plans that some other companies hit her up. I cannot announce it yet, but yeah, man, I'm really happy and excited 
More than ever, sir. I mean, I understand if you don't want to talk about Sadiqa's plans, we don't need to listen to them because I'm pretty sure those plans are so damn big, they can't even be hinted about. Let's just be real. <laughs> yes, sir. But still, though, when it comes down to wrestling these days, especially here in Houston, Texas, as of a matter of fact, I mean, I know that recently... New Texas Pro Wrestling had a show called Bosch, and for those of y'all who aren't from Houston, obviously we are from Houston, you should know who Paul Bosch is, even if you were born after 1989 when Bosch passed away, but when you see... Paul from Bosch a, was run at the Houston Auditorium with the Coliseum? Mm-hmm, yeah, same one, but when you think about... Promotions like New Texas Pro, when you think about promotions like the reality of wrestling, TASW, Loco, even some of these lucha promotions that run you shows. PW, you name it, sir. PWF, big shout out to PWF, WrestleRave, they're going to have a show tomorrow at the Houston Premier Arena. Everyone is working real hard. Yeah, I know, I know. But the point, the question I'm trying to ask is, when you see some of these promotions basically only wanting to do, like, only wanting to do combo shows whenever the opportunity comes for itself or whenever it's basically meant to see fit, don't you eventually want to see, like, one big-ass show in the city of Houston, where all these wrestlers from all these promotions come together and just, you know, kick ass for the sake of Paul Bosch's legacy, because I know New Texas Pro done that with Bosch earlier this year, but I just want to see something like that happen, you know, where you don't have to have a goddamn paywall. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Uh, I'm... We're down, dude. It don't matter. Like, I'm down to work with anybody or any company that's willing to work with us. You know, it'll mm -hmm. be it'll be good for the fans, good for everybody, because they'll draw more. We can probably rent the Verline Arena, the not the Toyota Center yet, but the Verline Arena size is good, or the something like that. You know, and. Do a card with nothing but Houston guys and put them in a single match. No guys from out of state, other country, and promote it where you can see it on Fox 26, 45 Univision, billboards with each match on the on the freeways, posters here on the fucking newspaper, maybe. Brian Keith or Gino or Poder Nocturno can show up at the news station, all dressed up, gimmick up, just to know that there's wrestling in Houston and to get more promotion and publicity like Paul Bosch did at those days. He put a lot of fucking, like, invest. I don't know if he worked with everybody or he worked by himself, but he... He 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 will he got the man to pay everybody so good and wrestling it can happen it's just man it's just so many things you know. Mhm. Mm I see. I see. 
And you know what? Speaking of, you mentioned, you know, ah, what am I trying to say? You mentioned, obviously, when we were talking before we pressed record on this whole thing, that I've been a fan of yours since you wrestled on Raza Lucha Latina about a decade ago. And when it came down to wrestling on that particular show, I know Edson Baeza was one of the main people behind that. But when it came down to at least wrestling on TV that first time for Texas All-Star, how did that feel? Dude, um, it was exciting. Um, it was exciting. I got the opportunity from Mr. Bob Murphy himself. And he always believed in me and we worked together. And it was an experience. It was an experience that I cannot say much about it, sir. It was, it, he gave me matches with Doki and Kai and Tai, and that's about it. I don't remember, sir, to be honest. I mean, it's okay. It's, I mean, the show, I think, is still on YouTube to this very day. Yeah, you can find it, I guess. Go to TSW Live Lucha Latina or Live Lucha Latina Houston. And there's episodes and you got to look through it to go find one of my matches or probably Australia Galacticus. I mean, come to think of it, I wouldn't mind checking out what Australia Galactica has been, I mean, did on that show again. Because it's been a while and I've basically seen the man compete, you know, with my own two eyes on my little one-year run of local indies in this area, Houston, Texas. But still, though, when it came down to... I mean, I mean, I don't want to basically treat this like a damn biography special. I basically just want to ask, when you started out, did you ever think that your career up to this point would be, you know, this way, so to speak? Hold on, sir. I need a... Um, okay. Yeah, my career. Um, yeah, dude, I'm just happy where it's going through. And um, luckily, I haven't got injured. I'm just working my ass off at the, at, at the gym and at training. And I got bookings till May right now in this year, 2022. It got me so many opportunities where I had the chance to work for many companies with so many people. At since since age fourteen, I have been wrestling. They used to pay me to this amount of money to where I got paid a lot of money. And when I take bookings here and there, I can get it where it takes care of myself and my family and. Just keep it up, man. And I'm not going to give up, sir. I'm going to turn 30. And whenever I wrestle, man, either it's a lowrider, I have other gimmicks, too, that I can work with. When I they, they can give me this amount of money with these other gimmicks, and I work, sir. And everybody knows that every weekend I can try to stay busy. And I'm just going to try to provide my family as much as I can and make sure it's worth it to this day you know hmm i see i see and i mean you have said that you've been wrestling 
since 2006 when you were like 13 or 14 years old. I mean, it was down in Houston, Texas at the, by the warehouse, just right down in that neighborhood in Magnolia. And it was called Arena Colonial. And Mr. Juan Reza used to run every week at that place, every Friday. And I used to go as a fan, and my dad would take me. And he would bring all these stars, and he would bring four matches, and the tickets were like 15 bucks. And it was awesome. He would draw like 40, 50, 60 people weekly. And it was just something that, that he, I always wanted to do because... He, they would do some exhibitions with kids because they, they would train Tuesdays and Thursdays in that building and they, they would do like exhibitions where all these kids get in the ring, bro, and they all wear their lucha costumes. Some would have like La Parca, Kafuokir costumes. Some had Rey Mysterios. All that gimmick, you know, and they got on the ring. They would do rows, back rows, three quarters, bumps, a little spot, run the rope, drop down, leaf up, roll back, tiger rope, stand up. The fucking crowd would go nuts, sir. And when I was watching that as a fan, and I was like, God damn it, that should be me there already. And I started doing some backyard wrestling, sir, with my friends from middle school, back in the backyard of my mom's house. And I would collect a lot of masks when I would go to Mexico for vacations. And we'll all play backyard wrestling behind my mom's house. And we'll fucking do dives on top of my house. And some friend busted his head open, bleed all over my backyard. Yes, sir. I mean, I bet that must have been some serious don't try this at home type of shit, huh? Yes, sir. That's what they tell you, don't try this at home. Mm -hmm. It's like, I was, I'm, I'm telling you this when I was like before arrested, I was like 12 years old. Wow, wow. And I bet when it comes down to, I mean, when it comes I down to... I became arrested, I never did backyard again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you see some of these wrestlers nowadays, basically... Emulating stuff that they see on TV because it's not, I mean, that type of shit is nothing new. They've basically been doing that type of shit since the late 90s. But nowadays, when you got that Young Buck style wrestling, where super kicks and Canadian destroyers and grounded knees are pretty much the norm, do you think that there's. You know, a changing of the guard to how wrestling should be, or do you think that wrestling should feel more old-fashioned? Like people should learn the basics before doing whatever the fuck they want. Old-fashioned, learn, take care of yourself, make sure you have the base to do it, the the condition, the cardio to handle it, and I don't mind, dude. Like. To me, I don't care, dog. Whatever style anybody has, as I'm willing, I'm willing to work with anybody. If it's old, blind, handicapped, you name it, sir. I have so many experience. Pakistanis, Japanese wrestlers that don't, we cannot understand each other, and 
I don't care what style is going on and whatever they can do, backflips, Canadians, I'm down for anything. They want to hit me hard as they want, as they can. I'm down, sir. I'm super down if somebody's down to wrestle me and don't touch the ropes and wants to beat the fuck out of me. And I'm going to get so mad and beat the fuck out of him, too. Mm-hmm. And if they, I have another match with an aerial type high flying shit, I'm down. Whoever, I got the condition. I got the cardio. I'm always ready. Whoever is willing to pay and make me work like that, I'm down. They want to do nothing but old school wrestling, mad headlocks, wrist locks. Submissions, sir, I'm willing to do it too, sir. I have learned so much from all these stars, and I'm ready, sir. Like, I have been training so much and at so many places, and they all teach me the ways to defend yourself and how to get this shit. Like, but yeah, sir, I, I like all styles. I don't mind. To me, as long as I don't get hurt. Or I don't get my opponent hurt and take him to the hospital. It's all good, sir. It's scary. I just, if those kids who want to do, just be, be careful, man. Take care of yourself. Because when I was like 21, 23, 24, I would do those crazy ass moves too. I would do dives on top of that fucking building. Mm-hmm. Get the golf on fire. I would do bumps to the floor and I missed the tape while landing on the floor. Mm. I did a course through to the outside and nobody called me. So I just, the only thing I just say, just, just be careful, man, because you know, no insurance, nothing like that, dog. Like, just be safe, man, and make sure what you're doing, like, just be careful, because you, after the show, you got to go back home. Mm-hmm. And that would probably disqualify me from asking what would you probably say to the younger generation of wrestlers. But then again, I think that's probably true. You know, it's like Dusty Rhodes once said, don't do shit you know you can't do. I mean, that's pretty much true with most of these wrestlers doing the same shit in every match, even though... It's entertaining. It shouldn't be done like three, four, five times because you got to rest up and you got to get ready to get re- get set for the next move. Yes, sir. It's, it's just so many things, man. And I just say, just I just always get nervous before a match that, oh, man, I just want to get this shit done already and just say, like, you know, nobody gets hurt. But yeah, they want to like I said, man. Some people had tried to hurt me, man, in wrestling, and and I just had to defend myself, sir. I mean, that's understandable. That si, is. Amor. Hold on, sir. Si, amor. Es que estoy aquí en un podcast. Ben, si quieres saludar, hold on. Let my wife get a shout out, sir. Is, is that okay? Yeah, sure. Go amor, on. Ben. Nomás diles que eres sádica, saludos y que te siga así unos 30 segundos rápido. Dile. Hola, saludos. Soy sádica. La reina extrema. <ríe> Soy la reina extrema. Saludos y muchos besitos. Sádica, hola. Congratulations on your future opportunities, madam. 
que te oh, felicita por tu Sí, sí lo entendí. Thank you. No problema, Gracias. hermana. ¿Cómo que no hay problema. <laughs> no, gracias, gracias. No problem, no problem. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's just, yeah, that's, that's my wife. We've been together for eight years. Oh, wow, that's cool, that's cool. But, you know, come to think of it, I bet in the last eight years, Sadika has been doing everything she can to prove that she's a badass. Am I right or am I right? You're right, sir. You're right. And, you know, come to think of it, now with the whole world opening back up, and we discussed this before we pressed record, but with the whole world opening back up, I know she's been wrestling in Mexico, in the U.S., for GCW, which is what she's going to be doing I think for Mania Weekend, but do you see potentially Sadika's name being all over the world, wrestling in Japan and England and places like that? It'll be over. Oh, yeah. Over like Rover. And again... He wants to go to Japan so bad. <laughs> again, I can understand that. And I know a lot of things we can't talk about because we got to keep it on the down low, but still, don't. I can only hope... No, Japan is not... In, not like, nobody from Japan has tried to contact her in some other places, but... Yeah, that's one of her, her things that she wants to go and prove that she made it. Is to go to Japan, because Japan is such a beautiful place, man, that... You, man, oh, man, it's, it's very beautiful, dude. I've been there for like one month in 2015, staying, and it was such a good time, sir. I mean, come to think of it, if I remember correctly, you did wrestle Doki, who many people know from TA, well, many people know from New Japan Pro Wrestling, but we know him from wrestling for RWR and Loco and all these places, Texas All-Star and stuff like that. But you wrestled Doki when you were in Japan. How did that, I mean, did you basically feel like you were experiencing like a whole new rush? Dude, that was very, man, that was, that was, that was scary, dude, because I had to share the locker room with everybody in there, man. If you see the flyers on my Facebook, Um, I, there was um, Onita and Jun Kasai, Tajiri, Takayama, Nosawa, dude, Sabu, Tommy Dreamer. His, Sabu's wife, man, she rest in peace, bro. She was even there. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Super Genie Melissa Coach. She's such a nice, she was such a nice fucking lady. I, I met her that one time, sir, and that was it, man, and my condolence to Sabu, bro. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. But still, when it came down to that show in Japan, it probably Dude, I was... Dude, I was scared, mm -hmm. man. It was Doki's first debut Japan match ever. Because Doki, if you know his background story... Doki from New Japan that's wrestling right there right now, that dude, he 
I mean, age 18, he had to study Spanish before going to Mexico City. So he had a job after finishing high school and during high school working in a supermarket. So he saved up so much money where he paid his own plane ticket to go to Mexico City and not a return flight. And he'd stay there to live there for fucking like eight years. And now today he's in New Japan. Mm. And you know what? I really found it hard to believe that he was even contacted by New Japan to even join them for the... I think, best of the Super Juniors or something a few years back. But when he came into wrestling for New Japan that first time, I immediately lost my collective shit because I only knew him from actually hearing him talk and uttering the little words of English that he could on, I think, the offshoots or something with some guy from Dallas. I don't know, but still... Point of the matter is, when I seen that dude for the first time compete, it was like I've basically known him forever. <laughs> no shit. <sighs> but still though, let's talk about, I mean, but still though, when it comes down to your future plans, I know you got a lot of things on the NDA download. I, I, no, damn it, damn it, damn it. No non-disclosure down low. What the fuck am I saying? But still, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, low rider. You gotta excuse me. I've only been doing this shit for close to a decade, and there's still some things I don't know about this thing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny, dude. I know, man. But still, point of the matter is. When it comes down to your career, obviously, I know you got some things we can't talk about because they a little bit on the NDA side. Nope, don't ask. <laughs> but still, when it comes down to, obviously, this show coming up in Colorado and obviously WrestleMania weekend in like about a couple of weeks, what can you hope? I mean, if people are listening out in Colorado or out in North Texas, what can fans hope to expect from you? A lot of moves, a lot of new moves, new dives, and I, with Jay Chris, dude, it's gonna be on fire, Daddy. Mm. I see, I see, and obviously. I mean, do you have anything coming up with local wrestling that I can, I mean, that we can shamelessly talk about? or again? Local wrestling, the next shows are April 23rd at the Houston Premier Arena at the Warehouse. And as for right now, I haven't announced that I'm going to wrestle. I don't know yet. I'd rather be controlling the show and make sure, get the show on point. Because this is so much stress to do everything in at one time. And we'll see, man. We'll see if I'll rest on the next local show or not. I see, I see. But when it comes down to 
GCW's The World on Lucha event. I know Sadika's going to be a part of that coming up at WrestleMania weekend. I mean... She's going to wrestle Pagano. Oh, shit! That match is going to be a... That match is going to be off the bomb. B. actually see you work I mean I can actually see you work some shit <laughs> I got you man you know I got you I'll see you man hopefully I'll see you April 23rd man or come up at any Lucha Sunday shows at the warehouse for Coliseo Houston anytime man I see I see but other than that man it's been fun it's been great talking with you lowrider I mean I'm glad to put a voice I mean I'm glad to actually hear the voice behind the matches. <laughs> yeah man. Thank you sir. I, I appreciate your time man. I appreciate the the time you gave me the opportunity to be in your podcast man. No prob, no prob. You have a good night sir. You too. Later. Thank you sir. No prob. And as we previously mentioned, during that interview, Loco Wrestling made their way out to Denver for a show with IWC Lucha Libre not too long after I spoke with Lowrider. And if you want more information on that, like, 
them on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Wrestling. That is L-O-K-O. Check out their merch at locowrestling.bigcartel.com. Check them out on TikTok, mind you, at Wrestling 420 <laughs> Nice name. Or if you must, subscribe to the Title Match Wrestling YouTube channel where not only will you see that match that I was talking about, Ruthless Lala versus Vanity from the Brie Combination Wrestling Show back in March of this year. But you will also see some great wrestling action from not just local wrestling, but all different types of promotions from all over the damn country and the world. Or if you're really feeling froggy, jump up and plop down 10 bucks for a monthly subscription to the Title Match Wrestling Network at TitleMatchNetwork.com, where you'll see... That same stack of content and a whole lot more, especially from Loco Wrestling. Because as my amigo Jaime Martinez tells me all the time. No fillers, just killers. If it ain't Loco, it ain't fire, dog. Up next on this spectacular, I chat with somebody I've known for about a decade from another podcast I used to frequent. In Paul Wayne's Fever Keeps It Real. That would be... David Fuller, the head honcho of the iconic Heroes of Wrestling Excellence and the aptly named Insane Hardcore Wrestling. I did this interview with David the week before his promotions as well as DFW All Pro kicked off the festivities from the local North Texas perspective for WrestleMania week. By the way, DFW All Pro not only kicked off the WrestleMania week festivities but closed out the WrestleMania week festivities with a whole ton of action featuring stars like Al Snow, Ricky Morton, and some of the best prospects, not just in the state of Texas, but throughout the world, and throughout the United States in particular. More on that after this portion of the program is finished. But in this interview, David spilt out some of what his future plans for his two promotions will be, his change in the world of professional wrestling, and how he felt that the world of professional wrestling from his point of view changed from back in the 80s when the Von Erichs ruled the roost. As well as how we first crossed paths and as described at the very top of this show, our thoughts on the passing of the bad guy Scott Hall and my one and only interaction with the WWE Hall of Famer. Check this out. And ladies and gentlemen, joining me right now on this very special edition of Focus Fights Audio is a man that I know all too well. I've known him since the days of me being at Fever Keeps It Real with Paul Ween, and this man has been helping not just, I mean, let's just say it, he's been helping the North Texas wrestling scene pretty much for as long as the North Texas wrestling scene have gotten out of the Von Eric shadows. No disrespect. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. This man's been running the International Heroes of Wrestling Excellence since 1998 from a backyard promotion to one of the top names in North Texas. One of the top names in Texas, period. And he's gonna be coming back to the fold with Old School Hustle next weekend, April 2nd. This is David Fuller. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. Thank you. I want to make one correction. The show is actually going to be on March 31st, but it will be a part 
of WrestleMania week. Thank you for having me, and thank you for that all-too-well introduction. Hey, no problem, no problem. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I mean, to be honest, I just wonder how y'all basically coming back to the fold. I mean, y'all haven't put on a show in, like, what seven was years. Like, yeah, seven years. I think the last time y'all done one was an eye pay per view with the NWA, and y'all had people like Jim Cornette show up. Yeah, uh, we did. So our last show was December of 2017. It was uh, in Fort Worth, and it was uh, we had uh, Danny Burke from NXT. We had Sue Young. We had. Um, Rex Andrews, mm-hmm. we had uh, Kikataru, so we had a few, uh, we had a chip day, he wrestled Danny Burch in the main event, uh, so, mm. and then we took a sabbatical, I had some family stuff I had to handle, and we have been making, we have been working on this comeback, I actually had the ideas to come back in 2019, and we were gearing up for a 2020 return, but, you the know, pandemic. It, the pandemic and you know no one on this planet prepared for that uh, so everything kind of went on the back burner um we looked to start up again back in the fall in october and we had issues uh, so finally we just my team and i just sat back and said listen let's just relaunch when wrestlemania is here uh it'll be hectic but I think the risk is worth the reward because of all the eyes and ears that will be focused on this territory and this market next week. Uh, there will be a ton of eyes on everybody, and there will be a ton of news coming out of this territory or this market, I should say, next week. So I think it's the perfect opportunity to come back. I see, I see. And, you know, considering the fact that the last time you know, a big professional wrestling event came to North Texas, or Texas in general, was six years ago, back in 2016, with the whole experience and access and all that, but you had all these different independent shows. That's what when that's when you really started to see all these different independent shows, not just throughout North Texas or East Texas, where we reside, respectively, but basically throughout the entire country and the world coming in, all these different wrestlers. And you have you would have to compare it, considering the fact that obviously you grew up off of this, you would probably have to compare it to Devon Eriks of the eighties, right? Yes, I agree with that sentiment. I think it's a fair statement to make. Uh, you know, there was a time see I got I got started in nineteen ninety eight and you know was a weird era because the territory system had come and gone a lot of people um a lot of people like to say that the territories died in the mid 80s i don't think that's true uh because there were a lot of thriving territories maybe not as much as they were but into the 90s uh, and especially here in Dallas, a world class had kind of saw its heyday in the late 80s. And then you had the USWA, which was running out of Tennessee and Dallas with Jarrett's. Mm-hmm. After the Jarrett's, you had the Global Wrestling Federation, which had TV shows on ESPN. And a lot of great talent came out of the Global Wrestling Federation. I think it kind of gets overlooked. Uh, but you had Booker T, Stevie Ray. JBL, 
uh, the Patriot, Dale Wilkes, Marcus Bagwell, Eddie Gilbert, Doug Gilbert, and then who John could Walton, forget? Jerry Lynn. That's that's where I was going. Who could ever forget the historic landmark series that changed wrestling in North America? Sean Waltman and Jerry Lynn. I remember as a as a young kid. I remember I remember I remember certain things. One of the memories I have that I'll never forget. I told Jerry this when we inducted him into the Hall of Fame. I'll never forget turning it on ESPN and watching Jerry Lynn and Sean Waltman had this killer match and they were doing things I had never seen before and it was the first time that I actually saw I would see beautiful Bobby Eaton hit the Alabama jam off the top rope you would see guys like you would see um, you would see you know you would see these different people the jumping bomb angels uh, mm. in, in the late 80s in the World Wrestling Federation these two ladies just they don't ever get talked about and it's a shame because these two ladies were doing things in North America America, especially in the WWF at the time, that only people like Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat were doing. So you didn't see that in North America. Jerry Lynn were absolutely killing it. After Global Cruiser came and went, Jim Crockett tried to bring the NWA back in the mid-90s here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. With Kevin Von Erich and Skandar Akbar, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and then you had the um, Continental Wrestling Alliance. JBL was the main guy along with Roger Rod Price, and then John signed with the WWE. And then there was kind of nothing for a while. You had these regional independent shows, and but then the, the business. The business started to change. Uh, WCW, the NWO, ECW was beginning to pick up a lot of steam, not just from a Philadelphia standpoint. So when I came in, um, we started to see a lot of these independent promotions pick up. But there was kind of a uh, there was kind of a um, there was kind of a uh, dry period where there wasn't really a whole lot going on, but there were shows happening in North Texas, and Bob Murphy, Texas All-Star Wrestling, mm-hmm. that guy has been going for over 20 years. 25 and that guy, in this case. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It was 20 years a few years ago when we inducted him into the Hall of Fame. Now it's been longer. Um, you guys, guys like Bob Murphy, Ch- Chaz and Tugboat Taylor have been running in Houston for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, had, you've had all these promotions... Uh, running these shows, Ken Taylor actually brought the NWA back down here, NWA Southwest, in the late 90s and started running Dallas, Fort Worth. So, I mean, you had all these promotions, these uh, promotions that were keeping Texas going. And, you know, a lot of people don't know about that, which is part of the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame, is we want to honor people like we have. We put Bob Murphy in for Texas All-Star Wrestling because he deserves it. We're putting Chaz and Tugboat Taylor in next week because they deserve it mm-hmm. because they kept Texas going after I mean, the territory system died before the independence. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, come to think of it, and I hate to interrupt even though it's kind no, of No, go ahead. <laughs> but when it comes down to Chaz Taylor, and obviously we have to mention the late Tugboat Taylor, may he rest in peace. I yes, mean, sir. I'm pretty sure people remember him more for that auto parts commercial that he had. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Still, though, when it comes yes, down sir. to Chaz Taylor, turn it up, Chaz Taylor, I do remember a particular instance where he was in a bungee jump match for <laughs> GWF. For the Global Wrestling Federation, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, 
And Chaz would probably like to live that down. Uh, but, you know, the 90s, that was cool. You know, people like to rip on the bungee cord match. And, okay, you can. But I appreciate the the uh, guts, the, the thought process behind it to do something so different. Because the 90s were some of the most creative matches came out. The three-way dance was innovated in the 90s. Mm-hmm. We never had a three-way match before. Paul Heyman started that, or another promotion started it, and Paul made it famous, and then the other two promotions jumped on and did their own kind of match. But, you know, think of how many three-way matches we have now. So, I mean, you know, the 90s were definitely... Not only three-way matches, but multi-man, multi-woman matches. Yes, you didn't have a lot of those with the... With the um, with the occasional six man or eight man or the Survivor Series or a Battle Royal, mm-hmm. you never had multi person matches. And now I think sometimes they're overdone. But at the same time, I like the fact that the fans, like next Thursday, we're offering a ten man tag on Old School Hustle. We're also offering a six pack. A Texas Slugfest on the IHW show at 5 p.m. So I like the creative standpoint of you're offering fans a buffet. Instead of us bringing you a meal, we're going to allow you to have a buffet. And there'll be some stuff that you like. There might be some stuff that you won't like. Hopefully, there's more stuff you like other than stuff you don't like. So all of that came about in the 90s. So, yeah, Chaz Taylor would probably like to live that down. But the bungee cord match, I appreciate the thought process behind it. But in the 90s, they were doing anything to keep the doors open, anything to get eyeballs on us. And the 90s were a slump for everybody. The early 90s, nothing really picked up until, you know, the late 90s, the Attitude Era, the NWO, which is when a guy like me was able to get into the business. I don't know if a guy like me gets into the business other than the time that I actually did. Hmm. I see. And, I mean, when it comes down to that mid-90s to late-90s run, obviously a lot of people were turned off by professional wrestling because of the fact that it was just too provocative. It was just too crazy. Yes. A lot of people just didn't want to see, you know, all this. I mean, basically similar to what they've seen on, like, the Jerry Springer show or something. That's it. You know, and that's what that's what people don't understand. You know, wrestling has kind of got a flow with society. We kind of, because we are a live entertainment performance, and we're a television, you know, especially on television, you have to keep up with what's on. In the late 90s, it was Howard Stern and Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. So people wanted that. That's all they wanted to listen to. That's why I got like Howard Stern was able to last as long as he has. But, you know, you have to adjust to the times. So in the late 90s, that was okay. It was uh, passe, if you will. Nowadays... And the WWE has really picked up on this. And people can sit there and talk about WWE being too PG. Okay, that's fine. IHWE is PG. We want families to come to our show. Family to come out. As opposed to Um, IHW, which is a bit more different? uh, Yes, yes, yes. IHW 
it's simply going to be a different show. It's not going to be death matches and hardcore. I know the name kind of alludes to that, and the history does as well. But IXW is going to be more character-driven and more creative from a match standpoint. We're going to try to do some different matches and use some different personalities that may not fit with IHWE. We're also going to be marketing towards a different demographic. At the same time, we're going to be doing double headers from time to time. My goal is to run two different shows, IHW on one night or early in the day, IHWE, or vice versa. I want to run two different brands with two different rosters and draw two different audiences. That's the goal long term. For the time being, we have to introduce people to IHW and let them know what it is and make sure they understand the differences between the two. Right, right, of course, of course. But if you think about the world of professional wrestling nowadays, I mean, obviously it's a little different from the late eight. I mean, from the entirety of the 80s all throughout the 90s. Like, for example, where you're at, obviously it was Devon Eric selling out Texas Stadium. Where I'm at, even though I'm a little younger, like I'm closer to 30 more than anything, but where I'm at, it used to be Paul Bosch putting things over. Yes. But now, when you see professional wrestling the way that it is, I mean, what comes to mind? What do you think has changed about the world of professional wrestling in 2022? It's more widely accepted, widely accepted now. You know, it's more, it's pop culture. It's no more the dim light armories it's not the everybody goes now you see all the i mean look at um you know bad bunny and you know you see these major celebrities and Mm -hmm. you've got wrestlers on jimmy kimmel and i think john cena was really i think the rock and john cena are really good for the industry because those guys and the bellas too people can hate on nikki and brie all they want but you gotta understand you can put the bellas on any television show in the world and they'll go out there and knock it out of the park they're what they're they're what we call team ready in our business John Cena will go out there and John Cena will be the most liked guy on a one hour talk show John Cena is a wrestler Dwayne Johnson one of the biggest stars in the world he's a wrestler that was really hard to do Hulk Hogan did it Andre the Giant was booked more because of his he was 7'4", 500 pounds you didn't have a whole lot of wrestlers booked on these talk shows occasionally a guy would get on Johnny Carson Jerry Lawler did the thing with Andy Kaufman on Letterman but for the most part I know when I was going to school like I had to keep the fact that I was a wrestling fan to myself because I would get bullied, you know. So, I mean, at wrestling, I it didn't become widely accepted until Austin 316. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that's, that's what it was. So wrestling is more widely accepted now, and I think people are more comfortable uh, going to wrestling and bringing their children. And wrestling can be used for good. Hey, we're doing an anti-bullying thing on Wednesday at an elementary school. So if we can take what we've built and we can use it for good, 
then wrestling is a very powerful form of entertainment. As long as it's used for good, yes, we need to sell tickets. Yes, we need to draw money to pay the talent and pay the bills. However, like for me, in this city of Fort Worth, I live here. I was born here. I've grown up here. I was on the phone yesterday with an elementary school, and I said, listen, let us know when we can come. We'll read to the children. We'll do anti-bullying. We'll do whatever. I'm about community. I want to take this form of entertainment and make it a commodity. And if we can make it a commodity, then we can do whatever with it. We can raise money for families in need. We can do toys for tots. Mm. We can do anti-bullying. We can do all of these things from the good part of it because of professional wrestling. I think it's widely accepted more than it was. And for that, it's on Fox. Mm. It's on Fox. It's on TNT and TBS. And look at the money it's bringing in, the revenue. Mm-hmm. It's bringing in revenue that just is out of control. You know, NBC, Universal, and Fox is paying WWE all this money. Warner Media is paying uh, AEW all this money. It's just there's so much. And the independents are just, you can access wrestling on a number. The other thing I think is better for it is there's so many ways to take in that content now, as opposed to when we were watching wrestling, mm-hmm. you would maybe catch it on local television. It was syndicated. You might have caught Joe Petticino's block of wrestling back in the day. You might catch ECW on syndication. I mean, it, Nowadays, it was either Joe Petticino or Fritz Von Erich or Paul Bosch. Yeah. But you had to catch them while they were on. Now, you pick up your phone. Mm-hmm. And there's an app. Or there's YouTube. Or, I mean, even when I started in the late 90s, you know, you had to know somebody with access to ECW. Like, barely legal. Dude, barely legal? I couldn't get. A buddy had mailed me a VHS tape of barely legal. Hmm. I mean, that's how I saw ECW for the first time. He sent me a videotape. So was it mean, because of the fact that it wasn't on, I mean, for instance, it wasn't on Fox Sports Southwest, which is now Valley Sports, or it wasn't on your local independent station, which aired, I think, like, wasn't it some old independent promotion that featured Terry Funk back in the late 90s? Well, I mean, I mean, as far as I know, Terry Funk was mainly doing ECW, but it wasn't distributed down here. Uh, it was mainly in mm-hmm. Florida and on the East Coast. Right. So as far as as far as ECW, the only way I could get ECW was when somebody sent me a tape. So barely legal, we couldn't get. We couldn't even buy it, even if we wanted to. It wasn't available down here. A Hardcore Heaven, their second pay per view, we were able to get. We were able to get that show in August of '97. But I mean, nowadays, YouTube, uh, Independent Wrestling TV, Fight. High Spots Wrestling Network. There's all of these different platforms, and I think it's awesome. I really think because that's more revenue in the pocket of the promotions, and hopefully more revenue. Another thing for the wrestlers, social media. Now the wrestlers mm. have this new form of revenue where they can sell their merchandise, and they don't necessarily need to go through a promoter and give the promoter a cut. 
uh, hopefully these talents were able to sell the merchandise on their own platform and take in all of that money because they deserve it, as opposed to relying on Vern Gagne or Turner or Vince to make their merchandise and sell it and give them a portion. Now the talents can hopefully make the merchandise on their end and make a little bit of money because of social media. Exactly, and when it comes down to this new form of viewing professional wrestling, I know you obviously just discussed it, but when it comes down to this new form of how to view professional wrestling, do you think that your promotion, IHW or IHWE for that matter, can, you know, be... I mean, do you think that they can be profitable on one of these streaming services like a Fight TV, like IndependentWrestling.tv, or even this ProWrestling.tv thing that's going to come out with EC3's promotion on there? I hope so. Uh, That's the goal. We have about 20 years of content that we're sitting on. Uh, We've got video tapes. We've got 8mm tapes. We've got mini DV tapes we have many dvds we have dvds and we have hard drive footage we've got about 20 years of footage we're sitting on now the um now here's the plan the plan is during wrestlemania week we're going to have a closed set taping we're going to have a close set taping i'm not even going to say when it is because we don't want anybody there except the talent for two reasons number one we're still mindful of covid Number two, but the second reason is a little more important. See, the second reason is, is we're going to tape content. Now, this content will not be live. We are going to tape these matches, and then we're going to edit them. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to put them out over our two weekly episodic web shows. There's going to be IHWE TV. And there's going to be IOL, Insanity Online. So there'll be an IHWE TV that'll air weekly, episodic, with a new match every week. And then there'll be IOL, which will be IHW. Same thing. It'll just be on the IHW brand. These will be in weekly, episodic format so basically you go eight weeks that's one season so what we're going to do with these matches is we're going to put these matches out and people will have the urge to run to their streaming provider or their web browser or their smart device and watch these matches and watch these episodes that'll be anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes they watch these episodes with matches that they've never seen segments promos videos whatever We're going to take that data to these streaming providers and Mm -hmm. say, hey, here's what we did on YouTube. Look at these numbers. And hopefully we can get a good deal with a rights fee for future programs and the content that we currently have. So I'm really excited because we get to book basically whatever we want. Our staff will be the audience. So we won't be taping inside of an empty building. Uh, We'll have fans there. It'll just be our staff. But I'm keeping it close set because, you know, number one, we're still mindful. We're, you know, we're going to follow COVID guidelines on Thursday. But for the close set taping, it's more of if the audience is there, 
there won't be an urge for them to go watch these episodes. If they're not there, they don't know what's going to happen. There's no spoilers that all of this that we put out, they're seeing for the first time. And there's your urge to watch it because you didn't know what's going to happen because you didn't even know it was being taped. Hmm. <laughs> so hopefully that works to our advantage. Yeah, I mean, I hope it does because, I mean, you can't let the folks down in my neck of the woods, Southeast Texas, get all the promotion when it comes down to showing or showcasing Texas professional wrestling. You can't let <laughs> the folks out in the RGV or the folks out in Laredo or El Paso or even Texoma for that matter. Oh, I mean, even Amarillo for that matter get all the love. <laughs> Well, you know, we haven't been, we've been kind of, you know, we just haven't been a thing. So, and you know, there's a lot of good promotions. There's uh, New Texas Pro Wrestling, VIPs doing their thing, DFW All Pro, Metroplex Wrestling has been a constant. So there's a lot of good wrestling around here. So, uh, and we also, another thing that we want to do is we want to work with all of these promotions. <laughs> so we want, we want all of these promotions to come in. Like we've got Stephen Kirby. And the main event of the IXW show, he's the guy behind MPX. Uh, we we have a relationship with DFW All Pro. Some of their graduates are going to be wrestling on the show. And so, I mean, I mean come you know, to think of it, you ask, you say that, but when it comes down to an actual co-promotion, because there's one down in my neck of the woods that New Texas Pro did. It was actually yes. called. I mean the name of the show was actually called Bosch, which had yes. all these different promotions out in the Southeast yes. Texas region from like Reality yes. of Wrestling, Loco. We were a part of that. We sent a match down there. It was like Swalsive and Angel Omega. We were a part of that. Wow. And you know what? That'll be cool, but come to think of it, do you think that a multi-promotion event like that can work in yes. North Texas? I think it can. It just takes everybody leaving their ego at the door. I don't know who. I mean, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to try it. We've done it in the past when IHWE presented episode 100. We had an Inspire Pro title match. We had a League Alliance title match. Um, so, I mean, we've done it in the past. We've kind of, hey, and we did the Parade of Champions. The Parade of mm. Champions was all the NWA brands all together. And if you remember right, IHWE was very minimal. It wasn't really about us. In fact, the only, the only IHW championship match on that show was on the pre-show, was Americos and Ashton Jacobs for the Dallas Fort Worth Championship. So, I mean, we put our ego at the door. Uh, the IHWE champion Charlie Haas was in the main event, for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So, I mean, we've done it before. Um, it's hard to do when when you can just put your ego at the door and say, hey, here's what we're doing. I don't care about being the main event. I don't care about my brand looking better. I don't care. I'm just there for the show. Mm -hmm. Then it's real easy to do. It's just, And I think the promoters here... Uh, better well balanced than maybe they some people were years ago if you look at texas mania and what uh they're doing at texas mania on friday saturday and sunday they're pretty much doing that 
all of these shows are, are working together because they're all using the same venue and it's show after show after show and they're all promoting but i mean if you think about it they're all promoting together because it's really hard to run a show that way because you're running in the same building you're uh making people go to the same social media mm-hmm. when you do when you do that some people may look at the other shows and say oh well i like what's on that show better i'm gonna spend my money on that show so there's always a risk doing it that way but at the end of the day it's really good for the territory so i applaud they asked us to be a part of texas mania we already had the Ridgely theater booked so we said we're going to honor our agreement with the Ridgely. And that's where the show happened, you know, six years ago. So we want to be at the Ridgely. So, and that way we're also not tying, we're not on a schedule. It's our schedule. So, I mean, you know, we want to keep it that way. But we were asked and we politely declined because we already had plans. And, you know, they also decided to uh, start a day later. So we would have our thing on Thursday and Texas Mania starts on Friday. So I'm really... I think Texas Mania is going to do really good stuff. I think it's going to be really good for the market and for Texas wrestling. I wish it nothing but the best success. I think it's going to be killer. There's so many good promotions. There's so many good matches. There's so many good talents on those shows. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting. It's just going to be a lot of wrestling over the next few days. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And going back to the whole idea of getting celebrities involved i mean let's face it you got lee nalon coming in to be on this show he's gonna be i mean i don't know if he's gonna be competing i know he's a former nba player he played all overseas for a period of time but still what's lee nalon gonna be doing at that event well, he's the head coach of the TCU alumni basketball team, the Fort Worth Funk. And he's mainly going to be there to create awareness about what the Fort Worth Funk is doing. Because I think what the Fort Worth Funk is doing is really important. Um, they do work with local charities, and they give these basketball players that, for whatever reason, aren't playing in the NBA. Instead of these basketball players having to go overseas to make a living, they can actually play here for the Fort Worth Funk. So it's very important. So I'm extremely happy. Lee Nalen is a big old, big old man. Mm-hmm. So if he if he wanted to, he could compete. Uh, he's given me his word he won't. <laughs> but uh, hopefully nobody challenges him. Now you talk about celebrities. Let's run it down. We've got Katie Lynn, a semi-finalist from America's Got Talent a few years ago. And she went all the way to the semifinals. She's from Dallas, Fort Worth. She's an amazing vocalist. So she's going to be there actually singing, uh, probably America the Beautiful. Uh, So that'll be cool. We've also got, uh, you know, something that hasn't been really talked about a whole lot, and it should be. We've got Brick Savage, Rob Hall. Now, Rob Hall is an all-time world record holder. I believe, if I remember right, let me see if I can actually get the number. He has a world record for the most weight in the shortest amount of time. I'll have to find it, but it's, uh, let me see. Here it is. Okay, he did, he did, 
He squad the only person in the world to total 2,005 pounds in 33 seconds. Wow. He squatted 804 pounds in sleeves, 854 pounds in wraps, 837-pound deadlift, and in 2018, he deadlifted 600 pounds 65 times. Wow. He will be a guest at Old School Hustle. Also, what's not really known is he is a second-generation star. He trained back in the day and just decided to go on into the fitness world. His dad, Bobby Too Bad, is a former NWA Texas Tag Team Champion. So this will be interesting to see if Rob Hall, we've been talking, and I, being the promoter that I am, have been saying, hey, why don't you come back and wrestle? I'm hoping this will stoke his fires, I mean, because he be would honest, be a huge addition. To be honest, let's be real, I'm pretty sure anybody willing to step, anybody willing to step into the ring with Brick Savage would need to... Probably file their life insurance pendants right Correct. then and there. <laughs> I agree with that. I'm, I'm, my hand shakes and trembles anytime I think about shaking his hand. I mean, he likes me, so, and I'm, I'm still worried about shaking his hand. So he's going to be there. We, and then we just announced last week two of the all time veteran radio broadcasters. We've got Ty Walker and Eli Jordan from 1310 to Ticket, 96.7 FM, 1310 AM here in Dallas, Fort Worth. They're coming and they'll be doing the commentary on some of the matches at Old School Hustle. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm pretty sure that'll be cool considering the fact that. You know, it would be fun down here in Houston, in the Houston area, to have some radio personalities do commentary. But, you know, it's actually cool that y'all got some folks who's aware of the situation, who knows what they're getting themselves into. They're going to be doing commentary. And they've probably been around, you know, sports in North Texas since the Cowboys were the only thing worth talking about. (laughs) Right? I agree. I agree. So, yeah, so they're going to be there. And you never know about surprises. Also, we've got Mark Lawrence, World Class Championship Wrestling. He will be there as well. we got Rob Moore, Southern Wrestling Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about WrestleMania is you never know who's going to pop in. I know during the show a few years ago, unadvertised, because we didn't even know they were going to be there, we had... Uh, Jado from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. We had Shelton Benjamin. We had Sam Houston. We had Bobby Fulton, and we had Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. Mm-hmm. Nobody had a clue, including me, that they were going to be there, and they just showed up. So the cool part about WrestleMania, or so many people are in town, you just don't know who's going to pop in. Exactly, and I mean, pretty much it was the same thing. You know, eight years ago, almost eight years ago, when it was y'all coming all the way down to Galveston for Coastal Mania. Coastal Mania, you're right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, Coastal Mania. I remember Matt Riviera defended the IHWE Championship against Tim Storm 
at Coastal Mania. I recently just got in touch with them about the video footage. I'm trying to get the video footage together so uh, we can actually release it and at least get our match because Man. that was part. That was part of it. We were supposed to get the video footage from our match and we hadn't. And I want to. I want to see it. And I want to use it in a future video. <laughs> I mean, come to think of it, considering the fact that most of it was pretty shoddy and the whole show right. was pretty shoddy. You right. know, I wouldn't mind probably doing some commentary work over that myself. You know? Well, if we get, if we're able to get it, I'm trying to acquire it. Uh, I just, I reached out to the people. I just need to follow up. If we can get it, then I will let you know, and maybe we can bring you in on it as well. Absolutely. You were there, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, I was there, okay. but I only made it like a third of the way through before I got thrown out. <laughs> Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really that. I mean, I was trying not to be like, I mean, what am I trying to say? I was trying not to scare anybody, but because Uh of the fact that security thought that I was a threat, I was thrown out. Oh my, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know, I know. But the point of the matter is... Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. It's okay, but the point of the matter (laughs) is I had fun. Even That's though it was it. 12 yeah. hours being there at that venue in Galveston, <laughs> I had fun. I remember getting reports. They kept wanting me to go down there, and I was like, no, that's okay. I'm glad I didn't because uh, I heard uh, I heard it went for a long time, and I probably would have just said, no, I'm out here. So hopefully we can get the footage, but yeah. Okay, but still, though, point of the matter is when it comes down to... You know, obviously, wrestling legends these days, and yes, obviously, we just gotten through the passing of Scott Hall, who was also at that Coastal Mania show yes, sir. in 2014 with his son Cody. Yes, sir. I mean, you would have to think, when it comes to the legends of professional wrestling these days, do you think that, you know, nowadays, these stars of yesteryear need more help than ever? Um, okay, so are you talking in their personal life, their health, what, in what way? I mean, in a way, personally, yeah, because mm-hmm. not everybody can rely on DDP to help them That's get right. back in shape. DDP should be given the Humanitarian of All Time Award for all the time and work he's put into turning people's lives around. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page is legitimately... One of the greatest people of all time because he is he has helped so many people. My wife does DDP yoga, and uh, mm-hmm. so I mean, I'm constantly saying he is just he's a great guy. We've talked many times, we'll text each other every once in a while. He's amazing. I, I have nothing but love for DDP, he's great. Um, I think you know, we touched upon this after what happened to Daphne. <laughs> And I really would like to see, I reached out to the Cauliflower Alley and the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And I said, listen, however, I don't know how, I don't even know where to start, but everybody needs to get together. And, you know, there's PTSD services out there for the veterans of our military service. And granted, veterans still require a lot of assistance and we're probably, we can always probably do more as far as that goes for the sacrifice that they made. However, for these wrestlers and these people that went that, that did that life and everything that's associated with it, we really need to come up with something just to support one another because, you know, we all kind of, 
I've been there myself. I have my family, thank God. But not everybody is in the same situation. So there always needs to be somebody around because sometimes all it takes is somebody just to reach out to and just talk to somebody. You just want to know that somebody's actually there for you and cares about you. Mm-hmm. We all yearn for that, and I understand that. We all need to do better. I don't know. I, I, I would like to get something going. I, we have the Modern Wellness Clinic here in Fort Worth, and they have really stepped up and advocate for mental health and, and physical health. And they go to all the shows, and they talk to the talent, and they offer their services. And But on a broader, uh, you know, global scale, there needs to be a program to where wrestlers and talents and performers or anybody involved in the wrestling, I don't know what it's like. I mean, granted, we all need it. There's a suicide hotline out there, for, and that's great. But for wrestlers, it helps, I think, if wrestlers talk to wrestlers. or it, Because nobody, not everybody understands our business unless you've been in our business. Mm-hmm. So you're not just talking to somebody on the phone that doesn't know anything about wrestling. Or maybe already has a pre-negative connotation in their head about it, are probably not going to be able to provide everything that the person calling needs. However, if there is a system set up where wrestlers can call wrestlers and just tell stories, if they can just get their mind off of it and just talk about the good old days and tell stories and get in a better mood and made to be felt like they matter, their lives matter. That's part of the reason we're doing the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame because we're trying to work with, uh, we're trying to get it into some sort of archival program. We're working with the University of uh, Texas Arlington. We're working with them to try to get some kind of archival thing going for the Hall of Fame. That way, it, it's somewhere that people can look at forever and ever and ever. That is a beacon of hope to some of these talents that they won't be forgotten. And maybe that helps on a day when somebody's sitting around and they don't feel like they mattered and they don't feel like they've done anything. If somebody can just say, hey, I was at the library and I was reading about you, that right there would be like, oh, wow, really? That helps. So, yes, more than ever, yes, we need to take care of our veterans of professional wrestling. We just made the announcement yesterday that we're partnering up with osd operation supply drop and what operation supply drop is going to do they're this big 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 cause they take video game systems consoles Mm -hmm. and they drop them to veterans military active military out in the field Mm. and that's great because they get to sit there and play video games while they're not you know and that's downtime and it's fantastic it does so much for the mind so we're going to partner up with them, and every year OSD is going to be in on uh, on the Hall of Famer that's a former military veteran, and they'll promote it on their end as well. That brings more eyeballs to the Hall of Fame, and it's a win-win for everybody, and I'm so happy that we're in this with them. So yes, you're right. More than ever, the veterans of professional wrestling can use assistance. If anything, just somebody to talk to. Because, you know, Diamond Dallas Page has just done wonders, and he's a wonderful man, and DDP deserves all the praise and all the accolades, because that guy took, he was helping normal, everyday people long before he picked up the phone and called Jake, long before he picked up the phone and called Scott Hall, and now he's trying to help Marcus Backwell. Hmm. So Dallas, without Dallas, I don't know if Jake's still around. I'm 
without Dallas, Scott Hall doesn't get to walk across the stage at WrestleMania 30. So, I mean, and just, I, I kept thinking about that. Everybody was talking about Scott Hall and his contributions, and we should talk about Scott Hall's contributions forever because there's so many. That guy got to walk the stage at WrestleMania 30 as a Hall of Famer. It wasn't done posthumously. Not only that, he got to come out the next year and actually do something with Sting and the NWO and Triple H. Mm-hmm. Scott Hall got to do all that. So I mean, let's let's remember. Let's think about that. Let's try not to think about all the bad. Let's think about all the good stuff Scott Hall got to do in the last few years that really made him happy and gave him more of a reason to wake up every day and put in the daily battle that people have with addiction. Exactly, exactly. And when it comes down to you know, it's not just people like. Scott Hall, or sadly, people like Shannon Spurreal, a.k.a. Daphne, who went through severe mental issues before putting a gun to their head and pulling the trigger, unfortunately. I mean, it's people who are in, like, the boxing world who are basically punch drunk, don't even know how they're going to go about the days. People who yes. basically... in the NFL. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, With in the NFL. Yeah, see, that's the thing is, you know, I'm a, I'm, I, I have, I've had this conversation. When I got into the business, we're all idiots, and we're hitting each other as hard as we can with chairs in the head, no hands, because the the business, the culture, at the time, and I'm not blaming anybody. I was there. I was. I made the decisions. I'm not putting this on anybody. It's just the way it was. But at the time. The culture was you don't put your hand up. You take the chair to the head as hard as it is. We weren't thinking about, hey, we should have been because it doesn't take a scientist. Unfortunately, it did. It did take scientists to show us this. It shouldn't have. Hey, if you continuously slam metal up against your head, you know it's going to screw with you later on. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we weren't thinking about that. We weren't thinking at all. I was a teenager, and all I cared about was I'm in the wrestling business. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get booked next week. If that means I got to get my head slammed into a chair, sure, do it. So, I mean, but now, you know, and I have my days where I'm very forgetful and I don't know, you know, and, and unfortunately, I've had concussions. I don't know how many I've had. Uh, but, you know, I'm very mindful of that now. So, like, the talent at IHWE, we don't do any of that stuff. We don't do headshots. We don't do power drivers. It, I'm very, you know, I try to really keep a... I mean, come I try to think look, of it, y'all don't even, I mean, come to think of it, y'all don't even do closed punches to the face, huh? Well, I mean, I try not to micromanage too much. We have, I, I, I leave it to the professionals. I, you know, we, we haven't, we've had a couple of injuries. Thomas Shire broke his fibula, tibula. Uh, we've had some injuries, broken noses and stuff. But for the most part, I think we've been pretty good on, you know, injuries. Uh, the referee knows, the referee's first responder. So the referee's right there in case something happens. And then they let, there's always somebody at the curtain watching. So if there's an injury and the referee gets the signal to my, per, per my producer at the curtain, the producer alerts all of us. And then everybody kicks it into gear to get that talent, the help that they need. 
So, I mean, yes, their talent health is extremely important. they still got to drive home to their families, and they need to come home the way that they left home. So, yeah, it's very important because, yes, we weren't thinking about this and boxing and football and, and hockey and those high, just high contact, high collusion sports. Um, the CTE stuff and football was as horrifying as it was and as horrifying as the deaths that came because of it. I think in the end, if you can pull all that aside and look for the good, the good is, is hey, we need to do better at you know taking care of people's brains uh, while they're here so this can all be avoided so if there is a good part of this it is that that hey now we're all more really mindful about what we're doing with our heads as we should be Mm -hmm. exactly exactly and you know we talk about you know people needing help for trauma and all this, especially when it comes down to trauma of the head and how many hits you actually take. But, you know, I hate to veer off the subject a bit, but when it comes down to the age of pro wrestling nowadays, you now have to be mindful of how you act towards people, especially in the era of the speaking out movement when it comes to wrestlers getting a little too, you know, a little too personal when it comes down to, you know, certain people. Yes. Yes, that happened, and it's extremely unfortunate that it did happen. And, uh, you know, uh, people were able to talk about their experience, and thank goodness that they did. Uh, so, because, you know, people need to be alerted to that stuff so people can, you know, keep an eye on that for later on and uh, not create an environment where that can continue. And hopefully, you know, you know, hopefully over time that steps will be taken to where that happens less and less and eventually doesn't happen at all uh, because it shouldn't. No one should ever feel like. They're in that position, especially when they're hired to do a job and come to a show or they're in training or in any kind of situation like that. They shouldn't feel like that, and it's extremely unfortunate that that happened. Exactly, exactly, especially when it comes down to so many people putting over how they were treated by certain promoters or certain competitors, of which those certain promoters and competitors don't really deserve to get any time to put themselves over at all because of this yes i yes i couldn't agree more absolutely um it's it's an it's extremely unfortunate that those things happened and i'm just glad that they came to light so everybody's in the know and now people find out and these people these individuals that um created this situation are named then it's up to promoters and talent to uh you know make sure that they know that going forward when they're putting on these events and dealing business with the with individuals that they know they know something about this person if they continue to do things with them then they got to be held at fault because hey it's out there exactly exactly And, you know, I hate to basically jump back on that track again, but when it comes down to 
I mean, going back on the subject, when it comes down to how you want IHW or IHWE to be remembered, let's let's be real. This is like what your third comeback. I mean, how do you want the iconic heroes of wrestling excellence or insane hardcore wrestling to be remembered after this particular weekend? I, I just hope it's remembered as, you know, a brand or brands that created opportunity. Uh, IXW started because three kids were in high school, and I was getting over the death of my mother. Mm-hmm. So this was therapeutic for me. Uh, my dad was heavily involved, and my dad's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I would like it to be a tribute to him. Uh, you know, IXWE, you know, I kind of started, and, and I never thought about bringing IXW back. Uh, you know, it was always just going to be IHWE, and then I had the idea, hey, maybe we can do a second brand and use some different people and do some different ideas. That'll be cool, uh, you know, and whether it will be, I don't know. We've got to kind of see and find out. Hopefully, this thing takes off, but IHWE is a hybrid. It's old school and new school mixed together. You can come see some of the legends that you grew up watching. At the same time, you can come to the current style of independent wrestling all over the world so it's kind of a hybrid we want grandfathers and fathers and children and grandchildren to come to these events we want families that grew up during the world class era to come meet mark lawrence and then you know they can see kyle o'reilly and johnny gargano on the same show Mm. we want to be a hybrid and hopefully that's what people take away because we are bringing some of that Next week with, you know, Mark Lawrence will be there, Tim Storm's wrestling, but you've also got Mysterious Q and Chris Carter oh, and Max Heights and so many others. Now, Mysterious Q and Chris Carter, those are names that I know from watching them wrestle for the reality of wrestling and yes. loco wrestling, respectively. Yes, yes. They will both be on the same team in the Battle of Fort Worth 10-man tag. <laughs> wow. So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that's what I hope. I hope people remember it as a hybrid. IHW was three kids in a backyard just wanting to be in the business. IHWE is a hybrid of new school and old school mixed together. Exactly, exactly. Now, before I go, I just want to basically ask this particular question. And I know that, I mean, I basically ask this nowadays when it comes to everybody I interview, from fighters okay. to wrestlers to those involved in the entertainment industry. I okay. mean, basically, when it comes, basically it's this. If you weren't involved in the professional wrestling going on this now, your 24th year, next year will be your 25th year in the business, and I know you want to put yes. out a big, big event. But if you weren't involved in this dating back all the way to 1998, what would have been your plan B? What would have been your backup plan? Good question. Um, I think um, I think I probably would have focused on broadcasting. Um, I, I had an itch for that, and I actually did a high school football game a few years ago in Granbury on the radio station, um, and I'd never done one before. Um, but that would probably be it. That's really the only thing I was interested in was broadcasting. I was in broadcasting class in school, um, and I liked the announcing aspect of sports 
not just wrestling. Uh, so, but I mean, it took wrestling. I had a, I was petrified at talking in front of people, mm-hmm. uh, even in class. I was absolutely petrified. Like I would get anxiety and stomach aches whenever I had to do something in front of the class. So wrestling got me over that because I, when IHW was starting, I had to go out and cut this heel promo by myself. And I was scared to death, and I got destroyed by the fans. Like they threw stuff at me, and I mean, it was <laughs> it was bad. I mean, but come I to think it. of it, they weren't throwing stuff at you because you sucked. They were throwing stuff. They were basically throwing stuff at you because you didn't know how to control the fans, so to speak. To Probably make both. Them say you suck. Probably both, but that's okay because I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so that, but doing that over and over and over again got me to where I could talk uh, just freely, and I didn't have to think about what I was going to say. Like I could, like right now, doing this with you, mm-hmm. I couldn't have done this while I was in high school. I would sit here be going, uh, uh, you know. I mean, wrestling kind of opened up the door for me to do other things. So everything that kind of came to me, whether it be movies, television, podcast, everything that came was due to wrestling. So I really don't know what I was done. I wanted to get married, have kids. I really just wanted to be in the wrestling business. If I had to do it, if wrestling wasn't an option. Then it probably I would have tried to pursue broadcasting because I'm a big fan of broadcasting and sports. And I did do the uh, I remember doing the high school football game, and we were live on the radio. And during the commercial breaks, they were the producers and he said, "You want to come? You want to come uh, run sports for us after this?" And you know they offered me some money, but it wasn't enough. It was 2008, and I was a single guy, and I was still wrestling. It wasn't enough money for me to go to Granbury and Stephenville, and it just wasn't enough money for me to spend my Friday nights going all over Hood County to call football games. It just the money wasn't right. But it was a fun experience, and I didn't. I, I'm not a huge football guy so i kind of just provided a little bit of color commentary but they really liked it they were really happy with it and they said man anytime you want to come back down and do this you're great so i mean that's flattering so yeah broadcasting probably would have been my choice if wrestling wasn't an option i mean come to think of it it would have been understandable considering the fact that you know obviously here in texas football here is second closer to god and religion <laughs> right yeah, you're right. You're right. So broadcasting probably would have been it. I probably would have pursued it. Uh, my sophomore year in high school is when IHW started. And then a year after it started, I was wrestling every weekend somewhere in Texas. So, I mean, I really didn't have a choice or I really didn't even have a plan, time to formulate another plan. This will, I was I mean, making money, way. I was making, I was making money on the weekends, and my dad's like, you can go do that on the weekends as long as your butt's in school Monday morning. I mean, and that was the deal. Way, David, in a way, you were probably filling out your own Texas bucket list long before Shane McAuliffe was trying to get out of Corpus Christi. right yes yes exactly so i mean you know uh, i'm glad wrestling was there um i I, you know i've got to do some stuff i got to create a comic book um so that was cool i did that a few years ago i've gotten to do some cool stuff 
but all of it is thanks to wrestling. So I'm eternally grateful to that. Um, but yeah, wrestling. I like wrestling. I like entertainment. I like marketing and promotion. I'm fascinated with all of that. And I'm self-taught. I didn't go to a college for this. I'm self-taught. So all of that came because of wrestling. And I'm eternally grateful. Exactly, exactly. Now... Let me go ahead and get down the details one more time for IHWE Old School Hustle. It's going to be taking place March 31st, am I right? Yes, sir. And who all are we going to be seeing there? What matches have you already got signed for the show? Let's see here. We've got... Let's see. Do, do, do. Let me pull up my matches here. It's I should okay. Know this. Take your time. We Take got the your time. Battle, we got the Battle of Fort Worth, the Luigi Salas Memorial match. We've got Aaron Mercer, Chris Carter, the Mad Prince, Mysterious Q, and Tim Storm mm-hmm. against Sam Stackhouse, T Ray, Max Heights. Joe Angelo Garcia, and the former MPX champion, Tommy Becker. Mm-hmm. We've got Laney Luck and Amorous Blair for the Queen of the Ring. Mm-hmm. We've got the IHW Brass Knuckles Championship on the IHWE show as Haas Holding, Fort Worth born and raised, mind you. He's taking on the unknown. We're going to crown a new IHWE champion and the inaugural IHWE Excellent Champion. We've also got the mountain, the 600-pound mountain appearing. We've got Aaron Eagle making his return to IHWE for the first time since 2009. We have the 6-9 Smash'em. Less talking, more smashing bits. We've got Damon McCullough making his world premiere, North Dallas Damo. And then at I, we're going to have IHW uh, at 5 p.m. That's going to be before Old School Hustle. IHW is going to be Extreme Combat. You've got Sam Beal against what culture? Simon Miller. Oh, Lord, You've, that's going to be something. <laughs> Yes, it will. We've got Phil Noir, the gumshoe detective, against Reggie Lincoln. We've got Nova Phoenix against Morgan Mercy. Mm-hmm. And we've got the IHW Championship, Stephen Kirby, Rugged Wilder, Aaron Mercer, Sam Stackhouse, Corey O'Neill, and the Mad Prince in a Texas slugfest for the IHW Championship. And we just signed Jaden Newman and Benny Pacifico for IHW as well. And, like I said, there's going to be surprises, and some of the matches we haven't even announced yet. Man, I can only hope when it comes down to that IHW championship match that Sam Stackhouse, the loco wrestling champion out of South Houston, he gonna be hard to take down. <laughs> I tell you but he is a, probably the most agile, super heavyweight I have ever seen. I mean, would, so, you, and he's, say he's a good he's, would you say that he's like Vader or Bam Bam Bigelow from back I guess I would. Yes, absolutely. He's definitely on that level. Absolutely. Uh, my apology, sir. 
No, no, no problem. You're good. You're good. But yeah, I would say he's on. Yeah, he's definitely on that level for sure. And I mean, Sam Stackhouse, I don't even think has hit his peak yet. Right. Of course. Of course. I mean, I know some people who know him personally. I mean, they could probably. Oh, he's a tell great you. guy. Yeah, but he's a great guy. We worked together in 2015, and uh, we worked together in 2015. That's the first time I met him, and he still remembers working together. And I, you know, we talked that night, and he always he made a lasting impression. So I'm really happy we get to work together again. Sam Stackhouse is one of a kind. Understood. Understood. But still. People can get their tickets for 30 bucks on Eventbrite.com, right? Yes. Yes, there's a general mission on Eventbrite. And then if you go to I-H-W-E-T-X, that's I-H-W-E Texas Extreme T-X.com. So I-H-W-E-T-X.com. And that'll link you to square store if you want to buy the last few ringside seats available so we've kind of made it easy because people are used to eventbrite so we put general admission tickets on eventbrite and we have ringside tickets on square site understood understood and before you go because it's been i mean it's been over an hour since we spoke obviously yes, but still go ahead and put over your social media links for the promotion and for yourself well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, IHWE is uh, at IHWE Wrestling on Twitter. Mm-hmm. IHWE Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Mm-hmm. IHWE TX on Instagram. And IHWE 2009 on YouTube. IHWDFW is Twitter and Instagram for Insane Hardcore Wrestling. And me personally, I'm at HXC Fuller on Twitter and VDFTX on Instagram. Okay, okay. And when it comes down to these upcoming shows, I mean, what do you hope that... I mean, let's face it, the show's not going to be shown live on any streaming platform. I mean, if anything, we're going to hope... We're going to keep our fingers crossed that this does get shown on a live platform, unlike that one show in 2014 we were both at. But let's just say, if somebody gets their hands on this, somebody puts this out on, I mean, somebody puts this out on a streaming platform, what do you hope fans can expect from a show like this? Well, I I hope they'll be entertained, and I hope that they get to see some of the top talent, not only in Texas, but across the globe. Uh, We're going to have, like, Simon Miller coming over here from the U.K. He's never wrestled in North America before. Now, we will have on our social media platforms and via our TikTok, if you look up IHW.entertainment, we will have live video throughout the day. So some of the show will be streamed live, different parts of it, and everything else will be taped and will be shown on IHWE and IHW's YouTube channel in a few weeks. Uh, however, there will be, if you follow our social media, there will be live photos, coverage, and video live from the Ridgely Theater. We're going to have a whole social media team with their phones covering it. So different parts of the show will be streamed live. We're thinking about doing a live match on TikTok uh, so we're going to be doing things via live. We're just not going to be showcasing mainly because of the mainly because of the competition. There's so many shows 
shows. There's so many live shows happening on Thursday in that week. It would just be for a brand that's coming back and relaunching. It just doesn't make any sense for us to put out a live show when there's so many other shows that have been running and have live audiences. It doesn't make any sense. It's better for us to just tape our stuff and showcase it later when we have the opportunity to get the most eyeballs on us. And it's funny you say that because when it comes down to WrestleMania weekend, especially in North Texas, it's going to be so filled with so many people coming out to see all these different shows that it's going to be like going to Baskin Robbins and getting 31 flavors when you only want three. (laughs) (laughs) right exactly exactly so um yeah no you're right so i mean this is an opportunity for us to just tape what we tape what we need and we'll put it out later when we have the biggest chance for a mass audience but like i said we'll be showcasing some live video and that'll give the audience a little slice a little taste a little preview as you say at baskin robbins we'll give you a little spoon and you can sample, and then if you want to, you just hold you just hold your horses there, and then you can see the whole thing in, in a weekly episodic format. And also, we're looking at the fact that in these days, people like their content in different ways. People like to watch stuff on their phone, and they don't like to sit at one place for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. So us break us breaking everything down and showing it in a weekly series type of format, I think will work better for us in today's content-driven world. Exactly. Especially when you got people with busy lives and they want to basically watch certain things at their own time. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But Yes, sir. But other than that, David, it's been fun talking with you. I enjoyed the camaraderie and the conversation that I wish we could have had this. I mean, to be honest, I wish we could have had this during the Fever Keeps It Real days when I was on with Paul Ween. <laughs> there was a lot of people. Uh, you know, Paul had a uh, Paul had an ensemble podcast, and uh, it was fun doing the show. Uh, but there were a lot of different people with things to be said and voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the interview goes better when there's only two people. Uh, when you have an ensemble, you have a lot of people climbing over each other to get their opinions out. <laughs> yeah, it was basically. It was basically like romper room, as Paul yes, said to me. Yes, yes, but hey, you know what? You were doing what you guys love, some more power to you. Hey, no prob, no prob. And I'm glad to be able to have my own platform to, you know, help spread the word about not just international fighters and international pro wrestlers, but inter- but local promotions down here in my deck of the woods, be it in East Texas in general or in Southeast Texas where I'm at. Yes, sir. Yes, I agree. I think it's great that you have this platform and you use it to help the independent promotions. But other than that, David, it's been fun talking with you, and I hope that you and the rest of the crew at IHW and IHWE do well next weekend. I'll let you know. I mean, no, actually, I'll probably upload this interview not just... I mean, maybe not tonight, but definitely within the next few days. Great. That's awesome. I, I think it's great. I'm lined up to do another one 
I think Sunday I did PW Insider Radio with Mike Johnson last week. Wow. I was on Sports Guys Talking Wrestling on Wednesday with Stu Myrick. And those guys so, yeah. are based out of Austin. So they yes, know yes, on the horn. Yes, indeed. Yes, so yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I, I, I wanted to make time for you as well. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I can understand that people don't want to make time because they know I'm a bit nosy and I'm a bit of a lazy you-know-what, but still... <laughs> No, you're good in my opinion. You're good. Yeah, still though. It's been fun talking with you, David. I hope you enjoy yourself next weekend, and here's to more to come. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. Anytime. As mentioned, DFW All-Pro and VIP Wrestling kicked off and ended off the WrestleMania week festivities with their School of Morton show on March 30th, which featured stars like Al Snow, Ricky Morton, Kerry Morton, and the Good Brothers, Hoot, Luke Dot Gallows, and Carla Machine Gun Anderson. And also, they had two shows on April 3rd with the All Women's Rise and Shine show in the morning, and Texas Mania 3 after all the festivities at Cherry World was all said and done. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get any footage from either show, or the IHWE show, but a link to the VIP results will be available in the description of this podcast. And each show, especially the VIP events, featured talent from Pillar to Post. And they should all be supported, especially when it comes down to IHWE, of which the way that you can contact them is also in the description. And unfortunately, all this had to come at a slight expense. Days earlier, via Reality of Wrestling producer, director, and everyman Kevin Boss Bernhardt, who was more than happy, alongside Booker T and Brad Gilmore, aka Lord Trillmore, that Charmel was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame that Friday. The Reality of Wrestling and world-class pro wrestling Sherry Martell classic shows were canceled due to circumstances beyond anyone's control. However, all the wrestlers that were supposed to have competed on these shows, competed throughout Mania Week, got compensated, got their money's worth, and damn sure put the pedal to the metal when it came down to getting themselves noticed, especially in the case of Fly Death, Warren Johnson, and Zach Mason, Brian Keith, Ninja Mac, Ryan Davidson, Hyon, AQA, Miranda Alize. And everybody that was supposed to be competing on these cards. And I pretty much just said the entire reality of wrestling alum sheet. (laughs) Especially considering the fact that I've known Ninja Mac as Brandon Sky in a previous life. But still though, good news was had. And it's been announced completely that on April 30th, the reality of wrestling will be having their Sherry Martell Classic Show at the World's Gym Arena, 10,000 MF Lowry Expressway in Texas City, Texas, featuring some of the best women's wrestling action that you'll ever lay your eyes on in the United States or throughout the world. And if you really, really, really want to check that show out, Go to realityofwrestling.com for tickets. Check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Or call 281-993-5321 for more information. Or if you're just interested in training there. For they are the flagship of Texas wrestling. And they, like the entire Texas professional wrestling scene as a whole, are definitely worth 
checking out. Now can you dig that, sucker? And while I would say that that's going to do it for this episode, I'm going to do something that I've never done on here before, but I hope to do it again. As part of my affiliation with the... We are... Podcast. I'm going to play a little snippet of the interview that myself and my usual co-host, Andrew Benjamin of Brooklyn, New York have done with now former New Japan Pro Wrestling young lion Alex Copeland that you can check out right now on YouTube where Alex talked about his match against Slex which happened on the Josh Barnett Bloodsport 8 card as part of day one of the collective showcase for GCW which of course like I mentioned you can get the whole damn thing for $140 on Fight TV and the Fight TV app. Peep this sneak, y'all. When it comes down to blood sport, and I know that you just said it, this is going to be your fourth time kicking somebody's ass in this type of concept. But when it comes down to blood sport... It's going to be my fifth. I had four, yeah. Oh, my apologies, Mr. Copeland. My apologies. It's all good. But still, when it comes down to blood sport, in addition to your young lion training... How has that changed your perception of, you know, the sport of pro wrestling or pure wrestling, as the Japanese say? It's changed everything from, you know, not just from my wrestling perspective, but from how I live my life. It's, uh, you know, just the training. You know, I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. I mean, I didn't move all the way to Japan, but, you know, I'm experiencing the culture, living in the same house as Katsuyori Shibata, doing what he says. You know, you're it's a big change it's a big shift and you know you have to grow and you have to adapt with that or else you're not going to survive and there have been people that have made it through the dojo system the first step the second step but they didn't quite make the final cut and not just anybody can do this and after a while i realized that through the training that i'm still here and, and that i adapted to the lifestyle that you know because not just anybody can do this i'm not just anybody you know this training that we do is world class and yeah this weekend with, uh, with Bloodsport, with New Japan, we're looking to show up. We're trying to show people who we are. We haven't had much of a chance with the pandemic. Um, you know, people leave. We're just looking to make a name for ourselves. Hmm, understood, understood. And when it comes down to, you know, the fact that over the course of the next month or so, you're going to be competing on these big-time shows. I mean, like you said, you're going to be competing at Lone Star Shootout in Dallas, at the end of this month, which is like in four days, you're going to be competing at Mutiny at the Vermont Theater in Los Angeles, and you're going to be competing in the Chicago suburbs at Windy City Riot. What do you hope fans can expect to see from these three shows, be it domestically here in the States or those watching in Japan? You can expect the, the best of all of us from from the bottom of Team Filthy to the top of um, LA Dojo, everybody in between. Um, we always put up our best out there, 110%. We give nothing less. These shows are special to us. We, we love New Japan. We love wrestling here. We love having, having the opportunity to wrestle in front of people. So if you show up, that, that's what you're going to see. It's going to be something you're not going to forget, that's for sure. And these next few shows, especially with me, 
I'm finally back. You know, I graduated as a young line. I have a lot to prove. These matches are going to be special to me and the rest of my career going forward. This is going to set the pace. So, honestly, if you've never seen a show before, you're not going to regret it. It's a good time. Hmm. Understood, understood. Andrew, you got any more questions to ask? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, also on this card, I mean, uh, you got uh, Yuya Uemura, who's uh, now in L.A., uh, mm-hmm. training alongside you. I just wanted to get some thoughts on what you think about his advancement as a pro wrestler as well. Um, now that he's doing, his, I guess, his official excursion, what do you think about, uh, what do you think of, where do you, what do you, what do you think about him? Tell us their thoughts on uh, Uimura-san. It's just his presence, just having him back, you know, at, around the house, having him around the dojo. Um, it, it really is a great thing because um, he's such an easy guy to get along with. But in training, you know, he's he was, you know, at the top of his class in college at wrestling. He, he kicks ass. And uh, I like not being the biggest fish in the pond, which means I have somebody to compete with and something to work towards. So whenever we scrap, we go hard. And I, I really like having somebody like him there. And Mike Bailey. Um, I don't know if he got lucky or he got unlucky because uh, originally he was supposed to wrestle Matt Mikowski, who's going to be Yuya's opponent, but uh, unfortunately he got hurt. I hope he gets better soon. See him back on the Bloodsport card. That'd be a great match. But uh, Mike Bailey is his uh, replacement. And I know Mike. He's he, he's an uh, incredible talent on his own, but Yuya's a different beast, man. He's got that fire that you know you just can't feel. You can't ever imagine what it's like until you're in there with him. And uh, you know, good luck to both of them. That's gonna be a it's gonna be a sleeper hit. You should watch that one for sure. Uh, also on the card as well is uh, two people who uh, I know you're familiar with, uh, Minoru Suzuki versus uh, Chris Dickinson. Um, I mean, those two have quite a storied history as well. And I'm curious to know, like, what do you think? Do you think Dickinson uh, has uh, any sort of uh, can this be his lucky his, his lucky time against Suzuki or is yeah, you know, Suzuki, Suzuki always, he seems to have a lot more luck in America when it comes to just beating the shit out of people and just putting them down. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that match? I think, yeah, Suzuki's reign of terror is, uh, it hasn't been broken yet. He, you know, what can you say? He's, he's the king. Who, who can top him? But I will say, knowing Chris Dickinson as well as I do, he's like a, he's like a fucking, you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's a saying, you know. If you if you if you hurt him, he comes back stronger. If he has a near death experience. He comes back ten times stronger. And he ain't dead mm-hmm. yet. And he's been down. He's coming back from an injury, and mm-hmm. he's kicked my ass before. I wrestled him in New Japan in Dallas, no less. Funny enough, back in August, you know, he beat me fair and square. He, he's strong. So if he's even stronger now, he's got that fire. I'm talking to him during his recovery. I don't yeah. know, man. He's been in there with Suzuki a couple times. He knows him pretty well. I think uh, Chris has been working on some stuff, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah just uh, anybody who didn't know, yeah, Chris Dickinson, unfortunately, got a hip injury last year at, um, so got, I think it was the show. Battle in the uh, Valley. Yeah, Battle in the Valley. And, uh, oh, man, hip injuries are, are no joke. I mean, you've got a neck injury, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. terrible. Hip injuries are, are like, fuck, because you, you basically can't walk as well. I'm sure, like, you were still able to do some stuff with a neck injury, but, like, a hip injury, like, basically... There's Turns out you need your hips to do a lot of stuff. So when they're yes. out of commission, there's not much you can really do for sure. Oh yes, exactly. So you know, glad that Dickinson is back, and you know, hopefully he is 100 percent for this for this match against Suzuki. Again, when it comes down to Alex Coglin's match against Slex from the Bloodsport Eight card, which was a part of the 140 dollar GCW Collective events, or 
when it comes down to New Japan Pro Wrestling's future offerings like Mutiny or the Lone Star Shootout show that was a part of the WrestleMania weekend cavalcade of shows. Check it all out on Fight.tv or the Fight TV app. You can download it anywhere on any platform. It's not that hard to miss. Well, y'all, that's gonna do it for this very, very special edition of Focus Fights Audio. I had fun talking with these stars and star makers, and I hope y'all had fun listening to these people speak their pieces just as much as they took time out of their busy schedules to do so. I'm too drained to do any plugs any further. All that's in the description. Y'all can check that out for your damn selves. But still, though, support these competitors, support these bosses, support these promotions, because we all want to see some great action, and they wouldn't mind your support. Also, of course, I mean, I'm lying to myself here, feel free to reach out to me. My social links and, you know, ways to support me are definitely in the description. The website, FocusFights.World, is still a bit under construction, A little preoccupied, so to speak. When we get that going, and when we get our newly relaunched Focus Fights Instagram account going, we will be the first to let y'all know. But until then, y'all can check out Focus Fights on Twitter at Focus underscore Fights, Facebook.com slash Focus Fights, or subscribe to the YouTube channel for more content, hopefully more content. And also, if you like this podcast and enjoy what I had to say, you know, feel free to share it to the masses. Feel free to let the world know that we are on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts now, yay! Or Google Podcasts or your RSS feed. We would like to hear from y'all. And if y'all listening on Apple Podcasts, hi! Please give us a five-star review or whatever type of review you like. If you liked us or hated us, you know, it doesn't matter. We are here to entertain you, the fight fans, and we hope that y'all enjoy every other offering there is, but also enjoy what we got to offer. Other than that, I have been the Chillmeister Chris Gary saying, Peace, my people's one love. Well, protect yourself at all times. Protect yourself and those closest to you. And even if you didn't get the chance to go to the Metroplex and have a amazing, astounding, marvelous, astonishing, phenomenal, breathtaking, smashing, superb, fabulous, fantastic, tremendous, wondrous, monumental, mind-blowing, terrific, radical, colossal, dynamite, staggering, all of those words are the definition for one word, and that is stupendous. Weekend. I really hope that y'all enjoy the madness, take it easy, and, you know, make 2022 feel like a WrestleMania moment or whatever moment you hope to have. Other than that, talk to y'all later. Peace. I just want to say that where I come from, it ain't how many times you go down, it's how many times you get up. You ain't beat till you quit. So if you don't quit, you never lose. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you and take it slowly, ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, 
In a state of sleep, thinking about the robbery that I did last week. Money in the bag, banker look like a drag. I wanna play with Pelicans from here to Baghdad. Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit. My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist. I think not. I'll send a letter to my friends. A born again hooligan, only to be king again. Ready or not?